Hi, this is Thomas Nicholson from Legends of Tomorrow and Supernatural for a Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Oh, and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that isn't on strike, although maybe we are, who knows. Anyway, September is basically in the rearview mirror, and we are here to talk about the news and trailers that came out during September 2023. I'm your host, Craig, and I'm here to lead this discussion. Joining me for it, his turn on the news desk, we've got Angus. Good evening. A very good evening to you. We're going over to the news desk, where I'm also on the news desk, so it's confusing. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we've panned over to the news desk where we both are before we start as far as we know we are still recording during the 2023 wga and sag after strike we as a podcast team are still committed to discussing and promoting all the things we're about to talk about because the best way to support those striking is to show those withholding fair payment for their work how important that work is without the labor of the actors and writers currently on strike they may not be on strike for much longer but they still kind of are none of what we are t- about to talk about would exist and we support their desire to be recognized for the work they do the last was that they're hammering out an agreement but we'll see how that offer goes so still supporting those on strike fair terms pay your writers pay your actors etc etc i'm sure you agree if not i'll edit out your disagreement (laughs) i feel like the support we're giving them through this podcast is what's going to make the difference in getting these talks over the line yeah we're not crossing the picket we were never on the picket so we can't cross it yeah doing nothing and then appearing like we're supporting people that's the way i like to roll If I can find a way to do nothing, I'll do it. I'll just swoop in at the last minute and take the glory. That's exactly it. We got them this deal. You're welcome. Whatever that deal is. But anyway, before we get on to our list of things, let's talk about about what we've been watching. So what's been in front of your eyes of late? In front of my eyes has been only murders in the building. But not the latest season, as you might expect. You know, it's fairly recently out. It's like, oh. That's probably what you've got to have been watching. But no, I hadn't seen any of it up until this point. And season three was about to drop. And Natalie said, oh, I've watched season one and two of this. We should catch you up so that we can watch it together. We started watching season one and I enjoyed it. So I was into it. So I started watching season two and it turned out she hadn't actually seen any of that yet. So we both <laughs> needed to catch up. And I think we've only just finished off season two. So now we're ready to catch up with everyone else. You're ready to be current after so much. Yes, effort. I know this is quite rare for us <laughs> to be current. How many episodes of that season? Is it like six or eight, something like that? There's ten per ten, season. Okay. I can appreciate the question as usually I can only <laughs> I can only be trusted to have my attention held for about six or eight episodes. <laughs> but these are shorter. I think it sells itself on the lead trio of actors. And I've always loved Steve Martin and Mark Short. So I love their antics. And Selena Gomez, I quite like her. I've watched her in various things over the years. Never anything I was that much into. I remember Natalie used to love Wizards of Waverly Place, so that used to be on in the background quite often. So it's quite cool to see her into something else and hanging with these comedy greats. She's one of those Disney kids, isn't she? 
Yeah, I think she's been in a lot of Disney stuff. I, I remember working at the cinema when I think High School Musical, was she in that? Was she in some of those? Maybe not. Maybe mixing her up <laughs> with some of her other Disney club colleagues. But anyway, that whole kind of universe, it was too late for me in my childhood. But I'm aware of that kind of thing happening out there. But she's an adult now, so you're getting to see her in more grown-up roles, I suppose. Yeah, and if she teams up with comedians who are maybe past it, then she might end up in front of me. Fair enough. Anything else? This was... I don't know, probably a couple of months ago now, maybe a few weeks back, but The Bear, I don't know if you've talked much about that on the show, but I hadn't seen anything to do with the first season. But then when the second season was about to drop again, we're getting this, this is all very Disney plus what you need to watch content just appearing before us and then we have to go back and catch up but season two was about to drop i was reading a lot of articles about how good it was and you know it's one of the best new shows on tv and i was thinking how how good can it really be (laughs) so we tried out season one and i think that was shorter maybe six or eight episodes really liked it really enjoyed it and then just binged all of season two when it came out and that was great really enjoyed that one i like how your default position is i'm going to expect to hate this as good as people are saying well you know frequent listeners will recognize that that's usually my default approach yeah i tend to rag against things that are very hyped so i'll hear about something that everyone says is great and i'll be thinking surely it can't be and then sometimes it does color my initial viewing of it because all the hyperbole flying around hyperbole is one of my triggers i don't (sighs) like it i'd rather people were more nuanced with their takes on stuff rather than, this is the best thing I've ever seen, the best show I've seen in decades or whatever. It's like, no, I don't think it is. I feel the same way, and that's probably why I was expecting to think, no, this isn't the best ever. And maybe it's not the best ever, but it is one of the best things I've seen in a long time. And I feel like there's just a lot of stuff in the middle ground that doesn't really get much of a reaction beyond... Yeah, that was okay. But when something really shocks me or surprises me or makes me laugh or makes me feel something a bit more beyond that middle sludge, then I tend to like it. I think that all the hype it was receiving was worth it. I think it's just when I start to see it across so many different channels and sometimes you get used to reading things in a particular media environment or it's coming from similar sorts of voices and you think, okay, I understand what this crowd thinks about it. But when you see it across the board, that's when I was starting to think, okay, I really need to pay attention because lots of different angles are coming at this and telling me that this is good and I need to pay attention. It turned out they were right. Fair play. I've heard good things. I don't think I've heard anybody criticise it. Based on what I've heard about it, I'm not sure it's quite my sort of thing. Yeah, maybe not. And I didn't think it would be my sort of thing either, but it's just really well made. And I think that gets you past the setting or maybe you're not familiar with the actors or that sort of thing. And it does some really clever things. It's got some interesting, not even gimmicks really, but just you think you understand what you're getting with it. It's quite short episodes, half hour, 40 minutes, and then maybe it'll just drop a feature length one. And it's completely different, but amazing and emotional. And I think all of those things are true. I think I, I would have looked at the set up and read a little bit about it and maybe passed it by and if it hadn't been for all of the high praise it was getting i might not have given it a chance fair enough maybe i'll check it out one of these days maybe i won't probably won't to be honest (laughs) (laughs) that glowing review wasn't enough to sell you on it it's just one of those things i always find myself watching something else i know i'm the same i've got a long long list of things people have recommended to me and i may never get to them then you decide to rewatch something and then that takes (laughs) (laughs) yeah rewatch something or play a video game from six years ago or something (laughs) so anything else to report on your viewing list we might not cover very much reality tv on this outlet and i think i have talked about love is blind before on here you have yeah there's a new season coming out just gonna say in anticipation of i will be watching that so that's on our reality roundup and also welcome to wrexham's another disney plus in the uk show about the football club that ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney have 
purchased in Wales. And to begin with, you get, okay, I understand what I'm getting here. This is just a sports doc about how they're turning the team around, that sort of thing. But then they do some nice things with the episodes as well, where they focus on different things or they have special episodes about particular fans and things with different stories and different backgrounds so a lot of it is just that Reynolds and McElhenney shtick that you expect but then it's got some heart as well cool I've heard of that as well if you like Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds I guess yeah that's a thing you can watch he does that quite a lot is that all your list that's it in terms of what I've been watching unless you want to know anything about what I've been playing I can tell you Why that not? as well the most recent thing I've been playing is Street Fighter 6 which is a lot of fun. It's got some easy mode controls, so I don't need to <laughs> remember all the combos and button inputs and stuff, which is Play good. square for complicated move. Yes, exactly. And also I've been playing more in keeping with my playing things several years out of date, the Demon Souls remake on PS5. I've been playing that as well. Would you consider yourself good at Demon Souls at this point? You can actually defeat things. Yeah, I think we probably covered this, I don't know, a while ago now in talking about Jedi Outcast, Jedi Survivor, these sorts of things. I played Dark Souls 3. I played way after it came out was frustrated with it put it down picked it back up again persevered got kind of good a little bit good maybe not all that good but i it definitely took over my mind in a way it finally clicked for me about all of the praise that gets as well the euphoria you experience when you finally beat a boss in that and eventually then beat the game i can still remember the moment that it happened and i think playing that just kind of unlocked a lot of souls type games for me as well so playing jedi and playing now demon souls i don't find them quite as scary an undertaking they definitely are difficult but i think once you appreciate that that's what you're letting yourself in for you can get some enjoyment out of it as well i think i'll just stick to watching streamers play them and then be impressed <laughs> with them i don't right. really have time for the learning curve that's involved yeah it is steep and unforgiving i've been replaying spider-man and the miles morales spider-man game in anticipation of next month's release of spider-man 2 which i'm really excited for i really wanted to play elden ring when it came out and as i don't play things that are current I'm borrowing a copy of Demon's Souls and that's why I'm building up to the point of maybe I'll get to play Elden Ring several years after everyone has played it, seen it, spoiled it, written all the walkthroughs, that sort of thing. <laughs> Spider-Man's my rare day one purchase this year. I think it might yeah, be yeah. the only one, actually. I don't think I've bought anything else day one this year. I resisted buying Jedi Survivor just because it was obscenely expensive, so I thought I'll wait a long time. Well, we might be playing it around the same sort of time then. I'm the same. I want to play it, but it's too expensive and I'll wait. I did get Sonic right after it came out, but it's because it went on Black Friday for dirt cheap. But I haven't played it yet. That was a waste of money, really. <laughs> I could have just not bought it, and I would have the same relationship to the game. <laughs> but still, dirt cheap's better than expensive. Yeah, but Spider-Man, that'll be day one. I'll be firing that up the second I can, and I will get myself lost in it. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be insane. In terms of what I've been watching, a couple of things on TV. I've finished my adventures with Superman and thought it was a decent show. Jack Quaid voicing Superman, which takes a bit of getting used to if you're used to some of his more goofy comedic roles. But it kind of works in the context of the show that it is. But it's a really good take on Superman. He's a very endearing, likeable, moral person. It's a traditional take on Superman, which somehow feels a bit like an anomaly at the moment, actually, because, and even this show does it, evil Superman is so prevalent. Everything they have to do, but what if Superman turned evil? No, the point is that he'll never do that. That is the point of the character. It's more interesting that he doesn't. I don't want to see him evil and heat visioning cities or whatever. I want to see him not doing that. But that's the way that things go now, isn't it? That they have to flip it. You can't just have virtuous characters anymore. They all have to suck in some way. <laughs> As we might see in the upcoming, it'll be out by the time this releases, but the boys Gen V show that's coming up soon. That's probably going to be a bunch of awful people doing awful things with superpowers. There seems to be quite a lot of that about now. Yeah. I've been watching Ahsoka. 
and I don't like it. It's really dull. The time of recording is six episodes in, so by the time this is out there'll be seven episodes. Six episodes in and they still haven't really gotten to the story yet, which would be fine if the character work was on point, but it's really not. And I don't know if this applies to other people that watch Clone Wars and Rebels, but I don't like any of the live action casting for the roles. I think Rosario Dawson, even though she's a very good actor, she's a very bad Ahsoka. The same applies to all the other actors that are taking on the animated roles. And I feel like I might be engaging with it more if it was another animated season that used all those voice actors but even then the writing would still be as sucky as it currently is so I'd, I'd be engaging with it more but probably still not engaging with it yeah that doesn't sound like a recipe for success no it's really dull and well it won't be a spoiler now we had the hayden christensen episode and everyone was gushing about it but it wasn't anything there was no depth to that appearance at all and people seem to have convinced themselves that hayden christensen is a good actor i'm sure he's a nice guy but he is not a good actor he never has been <laughs> Yeah, I've heard those sort of criticisms leveled against it. And despite the side of every bus telling me that I needed to watch this, <laughs> I've not been tempted. And it's another one of these things that's maybe, 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 and then you hear reviews like yours, and I think probably never. It's designed for people that have watched a lot of cartoon episodes as well. That's not me. Quite a lot of homework. Although I don't think it is necessarily alienating to people that haven't, because it doesn't really do anything with the characters as such. So there could be anybody, and that's kind of the problem. Mm. Right. Something I've watched a little bit of is on Prime, Wilderness, the Jenna Coleman show. It's this thriller where she might kill her husband. It's pretty good so far. I'm on the second episode, like I said. It's really good seeing Jenna Coleman play a shifty, darker character. Even though I said earlier I don't really like those kinds of things. But I think it's doing it quite well and I'll keep sticking with it. It's quite an edgy thriller and I'm kind of enjoying the, the setup and all the intrigue. There's a bit, it's probably a spoiler, but I don't care. In the first episode where she finds out her husband had an affair and there's a bit where they're standing at the top of a, a cliff and they're just looking down, experiencing the majesty of the view and she lifts her hand as if she's about to push him off and then she's interrupted before she does it. And it was really tense as a moment. I really liked mm-hmm. it. And then there's a sequence where she just imagines all the ways that she could kill him afterwards. Pretty trippy and entertaining. I would recommend it. Yeah, I've seen trailers for it. Speaking of stuff on the side of a bus, I think it's one of those. Oh, is it? I didn't notice that one as much as I noticed the sheer amount of Ahsoka on buses, but yeah, I've seen a trailer and thought that looked quite good, so maybe I'll give it a try now that you have recommended it. And this one is one I'm coming to way late, but I'm watching it anyway. I decided for whatever reason that I would start watching Riverdale. I'm not going to lie, I am absolutely loving it. It is wall-to-wall insanity. And it just keeps getting more and more insane as it goes. I'm in the third season, so I've been chipping away at it over the last while. And I'm loving it. I think it's just complete nuts. And I'm to believe that it gets way more nuts as it goes. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds good. But definitely recommend it. It's one of those things that if you get yourself in the right frame of mind for it, then you'll end up loving it. The thing with Riverdale is I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I didn't watch it years ago when it was just on and reacting to it in real time. Because I feel like that would have been insane to just follow the online discourse, but it is what it is. I'm watching it now. Yeah, that's cool. And that you're enjoying it as well. Yeah. As you've pointed out in the past, it's rare to hear about me enjoying things. <laughs> I'm glad to see things are turning around. Yeah, that's three things this month I've been enjoying. <laughs> it's crazy. And there's more in movies as well. I saw Dumb Money, which is a film about the GameStop share thing that apparently was only a couple of years ago and somehow missed it. We could all be millionaires because we could have bought a little bit of stock and watched it climb. How did I miss it? I've no idea. 
But anyway, it's pretty good. It's very factual, like a lot of these films are. And it doesn't do the thing the big short does, where it explains all the complicated financial terms to you. So there was entire scenes where I was thinking, what the hell is he talking about? But Paul Dano's pretty good. Shailene Woodley's in it. She has a thankless role as a standard wife type character, which is disappointing. Seth Rogen's in it as well. He plays a corporate stooge guy and... He's slimmed down an awful lot. I haven't seen him in anything ages, but he's looking pretty trim these days. The charming and chubby Seth Rogen seems to be gone. (laughs) Never say never. But it was good. I enjoyed it. I would recommend watching it. Maybe not at the cinema, to be honest. I don't know if it's necessarily a cinematic event, but I saw it for free, so it's fine. Relatively speaking. Went to see Haunting in Venice, the new Poirot, Kenneth Branagh film. Really good. A really good mystery that was built up. I didn't know what the solution was, and I wasn't really trying to work it out. I was just happy to let it wash over me. And I enjoyed it. I think Kenneth Branagh does a good job with those. I've only seen Murder in the Orient Express before this, though. I never watched Death on the Nile, which I'm told was not that great by some people. And I was told was fine by other people. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll watch it. But I liked it. It's quite engaging. And Aaron really liked it. He quite liked seeing a smart film for once. Mm, that's good. Death on the Nile, I think, wasn't that well reviewed. Murder in the Orient Express maybe was a wee bit better. I've seen Orient Express, haven't seen Death in the Nile, the new one. I've seen an older version of it. Like the story, but I guess once you've seen it, you've probably seen it. You could maybe watch it again and try and figure out where all the clues come from and things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty good. It's 90 minutes long or 100 minutes long or something, so it doesn't take too much of your time either. Nice breezy watch and a decent mystery. That's cool. And it looks good. So, there we go. I also saw The Expend for Bulls and... <sighs> That's something I don't feel like deserves all the hate it's been getting. No. I thought it was okay. It delivered what I expected of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think Megan Fox is really good in action movies, actually. I've seen her in a few things over the last few years where she's turned her hand to a more action leading role type situation. She takes to it quite well. She is still kind of dressed up as the eye candy a bit, which is a bit off-putting because it is just so gratuitous, but she's actually capable of performing in that kind of role. So Mm. hopefully they'll get around the fetishization of her at some point in later roles, but I thought it was fine. Jason Statham, I always find engaging anyway. He's not great, but he's got a presence that's kind of enjoyable. Yeah, and I suppose that's perfect for (laughs) throwback action movies. Yeah, and Stallone isn't in it very much, which is kind of a shame. It's all right. I don't think it deserves the visceral hatred it's been getting. I've seen Mm. way worse action movies, both in the cinema and on video on demand. (laughs) Another thing I watched, I'm late to the party on this one, Talk To Me, or as I like to call it, Talk To The Hand, the horror film that is getting a lot of hype, and it was something that I was wondering about because it was getting so much hype. Andrew raved about it, said it was one of the best horror films he's seen in years, and I really loved it, actually. I thought it was very gripping and quite tense. I watched it in the dark, and I recreated cinema conditions as much as possible, to the point that even I had a noisy cat just making noise in the background. So it's a bit like being in the cinema. (laughs) Yeah, but it was good. It's really good. I, I would really recommend it i think there's something to it that it stars a lot of actors you won't have seen they're young australian actors they're age appropriate australian actors i think so you're not looking at it thinking i know that person from this movie so you just look at them as people the only recognizable face was miranda otto who was in lord of the rings she was eowyn in two lord of the rings films but other than that it was a bunch of young kids so it's really good so if you're into your horror then that's worth a watch cool there was a couple of retrospective rewatches i did that were at the cinema 1989 Batman, which was fun to see. I think it's the first time I've ever seen it in the cinema, actually. I saw Batman Returns at Christmas, so it's kind of out of order, but it was pretty good seeing it on the big screen. It's enjoyable. Jurassic Park as well. I'm never going to pass up on a chance to see that on the big screen. That was for its 30th anniversary, which is crazy. Makes me feel super old. (laughs) I was five, six when it came out, so I never saw it in the cinema first time, but I've seen it a few times since. It's part of me and Natalie's origin story. We both saw it at the same cinema and we always speculate that it was at the same screening. 
no way of being able to tell, of course, but we'll just keep claiming that. You might as well claim it, yeah, why not? And also, they showed the extended editions of Lord of the Rings at Cineworld over three nights. So I saw them all, and that was good. I've never seen the extended editions in the cinema before. That was a great experience. How did they look? Great, yeah. I actually saw the theatricals in IMAX a couple of years ago, and the ropier effects that haven't aged well was more obvious in the IMAX format. But I found on the cinema, I didn't notice them as much. Plus, I find the film's pretty immersive, so I don't really care. And they still look leagues better than a lot of modern stuff that's coming out just now. <laughs> we rewatched the extended DVDs, admittedly, recently. And this was the first time where I can remember watching them and thinking, oh, that doesn't hold up quite as well. Because I was always <laughs> just blown away by the effects and just loved them. It's not talking them down or anything. I still think that they're amazing achievements. But it was the first time where I maybe was kind of seeing some of the seams and the cracks and stuff. Oh, yeah. thinking. Okay. I mean, they're pretty old at this point. Yeah, I know. It's still a great achievement. Yeah. And there's a lot of practical stuff as well, costuming and makeup and whatever. That never goes out of style when it's done as well as it is there. So I loved getting to see them on the big screen. It was very late nights, though, three nights. It just got increasingly later each night. <laughs> and they started at seven, so the last one I got out at half past 11. Uh, I really feel those five and a half endings. And when it gets to the point where you would change discs... When watching it at home, it just continues. So I've never seen it without having to get up and change discs. <laughs> I wouldn't have hated an intermission, to be honest. Just give me 10 minutes to stretch my legs and mm-hmm. have a comfort break. But whatever. That's what it is. I survived it. So it's all good. Well done. Do you have anything to plug to the fine listeners? I don't think I do. I always arrive at this section and never have anything to plug. <laughs> <laughs> You're just fully committed to Neil Before Blog. Yeah, just continue listening to this podcast. <laughs> and then once you're done, go back, read all of the articles and listen to all the other podcasts, please. Even previous podcasts that are news ones with really out of date news. Yeah, there's tons of really great content in there as well. You got to listen for the bits in between the news like this sort of chat. Plus, you can listen to us speculate on stuff and think, ha ha ha, that's not how it turned out at all. Exactly. See, they've got a life after their particular month that they refer to or laugh at that i said i'll probably watch this and then the fact that i don't watch it that happened quite a lot <laughs> or go back and think oh they were talking about something however many years ago and then when you listen to this one you'd be like oh angus is finally getting around to watching that now oh look the game came down in price enough for him to buy it isn't that great <laughs> <laughs> so add all of this to your spreadsheets and trackers that's it do that for me the plugging is i'm doing stuff on the we made this podcast network again the most recent thing for me is a couple episodes i recorded about the two tomb raider movies for a red dwarf podcast called shipwrecked and comatose and you may be wondering why are we talking about the tomb raider movies on a red dwarf podcast and angus do you know the answer to this question oh there's nothing occurring to me immediately okay well chris barry who plays rumor in red dwarf is in the two movies Oh, okay. It's a tenuous link for a special. I was just thinking there had to be some reference or something rather than, I mean, yes, clearly sharing an actor is reason enough, but I was trying to think about any kind of lore or, yeah, I don't know. I was invited on because of my knowledge of the video games, because I've played them and the other two hadn't. Were you able to comment succinctly on all of your video game knowledge? All I was doing was disappointing them by saying, yeah, this is nothing like the video game. <laughs> we brought Greg on to, to shoot down any connection to the video games. Is Chris Barry's character in the video game? Nope. The butler's a really old man in Tomb Raider 2. <laughs> does he get locked in the fridge? He does not. Ah, well, He's actually quite go. competent, which is unusual for Chris Barry as well. Usually he plays hapless idiots. You can listen to those. They should be on your feedback now. They were releasing... Around about the time we're recording this, so you should be able to find them. I'll put them in the show notes. That's about all I've been doing on We Made This recently. It's been relatively quiet over there, at least for me. There's always stuff going on. You can check out the 
abundance of podcasts, most of which I'm not on. So maybe that appeals to you. You want to listen to other people talk about stuff. Maybe it's strike solidarity again. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's move on to some trailers. We have quite a few. We're going to start off with a double of Godzilla, but they're not the same Godzilla. So we're starting with Godzilla Minus One, which is Toho's latest Godzilla movie. They're making another one. The one thing that stood out to me is the Godzilla CGI is actually impressive. But I remember seeing Shin Godzilla and it was still a ropey looking rubber suit. It's quite an interesting upgrade, actually. But isn't there a certain charm to a ropey looking rubber suit? I mean, I love those old Godzilla movies for that reason. I think the fights and stuff are great. Although the idea of Japan catching up by doing CGI, it's not as good a render as it is in the legendary movies, but it still looks really good. Probably looks a good 10 years old or something like that. And it will still be more than enough, especially when the audience have been trained to watch those things without expecting them to look incredible. That's true. I do think that we've probably seen enough Godzilla-like kaiju in however many movies and city-flattening Marvel endings that I'm like, does this even feel different anymore? I like the look of the trailer, but I was kind of feeling a bit of Godzilla fatigue. That might not be fair because it's not entirely on the guy himself or herself. Do you think that we've seen, because blockbuster movies now are all about these massive third act monsters smashing things up, that it feels like we've had enough of that? Or are you looking forward to this? Well, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward to this. As we all know, maybe we don't, but I do struggle with subtitles. But I tend to watch Godzilla movies when they come out, because I really like the Japanese ones. I think I've seen at least a version of all of them. I know there's different cuts and various other permutations of them, but I've seen each of the movies at least once and I enjoy them to varying degrees and this one it seems like it's about post-war rebuilding and then possibly collateral damage after a war because Godzilla always represents something doesn't he or he's supposed to yeah I thought the setting did look interesting and it's more about the ideas and the messages and things than necessarily just another city getting smashed to bits but I suppose it's got that if that's what you're really (laughs) in it for yeah Shin Godzilla was about how bureaucracy slows everything down we've got a giant monster to kill but There's people in meeting rooms discussing what to do with it and it's slowing everything down. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it'll have its audience and whether it comes out in the UK, I couldn't say. Maybe it will. Shin Godzilla did. It had one screening at Cineworld that I went to. We tried to go and it was sold out. I probably got the last ticket that you wanted. Well, that saved us from fighting over who would get the ticket. (laughs) I'll let you know if it appears at Cineworld. Okay. Following on from that is the Apple TV Plus TV show Monarch Legacy of Monsters, which is set in the, let's say, underwhelming, at least to me, Monsterverse. I'm not sure what to make of this. It looks insane. It looks like they've spent so much money on it because you see so many beautifully rendered shots of Godzilla in the trailer and they appear to be new. I don't think they're recycled from the movies. And there's another interesting thing where you have Kurt Russell playing an older Wyatt Russell. So Wyatt Russell is set in the John Goodman era, the 80s or something like that, or the 70s or whenever Kong Skull Island is set around about that time. And then Kurt Russell plays him now. So that's an interesting idea of the son and then the father playing the same character. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of action, I think, in the trailer, but then I didn't really get much more of what was going on. <laughs> I feel like I have seen Kong Skull Island. I just don't feel like I'm as well-versed on this storyline, this sort of timeline. Maybe you could tell more about what was happening or you could pick things out from it that are in this universe. They were showing a lot of spectacle and I think it's about the rise of Monarch. You've got John Goodman setting up the organisation with, I guess, Wyatt Russell in the past and maybe you'll get cameos from the actors that were in Skull Island, like Brie Larson and stuff. It's not impossible. I actually think Skull Island is the only good one in this universe because it's not afraid to be fun. 
and silly, whereas the others just take themselves too seriously. And they're full of boring characters standing in rooms full of screens talking about monsters. That would be my concern about this. What they do is they do a show-stopping first episode with lots of CGI Godzilla, and then after that it's just looking at that same footage but on a screen as they talk about it afterwards. Yeah, I would be impressed if they could fill an entire season or series, but they're going to try, so let's see. So you're not massively enthused about this? No, I can't say that I am. I'll let you know what I think when I give at least the first couple of episodes a go. Okay, and then I will ignore that advice. Unless I say it's the best thing ever, which I'm unlikely to ever say. If you can sell it really well to me, then maybe there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Let's move on to a legacy quote, I guess. Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. If you wanted another Chicken Run movie, then you're getting it. If you didn't want one, you're also getting it. You don't have a choice. Instead of a breakout, it's a break-in. So it's the opposite way around, I guess. Flipped it. Yep. The thing about it is, I find the replacing voice actors thing a bit iffy. Because you had... Julia Sawala, I think how you pronounce her name, was told she was too old to voice Ginger now, and Tandy Newton is now replacing her, but she's only four years younger. <laughs> yeah, that's tenuous. Maybe she doesn't have as an older sounding voice, but it's a shame. Would kids care? They probably wouldn't. I seriously doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> no Mel Gibson either, but that's for more obvious reasons. Yeah, can understand that one. But it looks kind of fun, so maybe I'll watch it. I don't remember the original Chicken Run. I have seen it. I think it was on Christmas Day once when I was younger and I watched it. It has very much my relationship to Aardman movies, Wallace and Gromit films. Three o'clock on Christmas Day, sort of. Yeah, yeah. but I remember being a kid and, and then feeling like big events. You know, when a new one was coming out, it was like, I've got to see this. And obviously I'm far beyond that stage of my life now. I don't feel like a new Chicken Run has any appeal for me i was even thinking have there been other chicken runs have i just missed a complete series of chicken run movies is this the first one since the original i believe so yeah <laughs> why are they bringing it back i don't know because it's all about mining whatever worked before and regurgitating it it's the way content works now i suppose but even that you think the sort of cycle of those of us who were kids when the originals came out or the original or wallace and gromit or whatever if they've got kids now they'll be taking them to that. But I'm like, that's not a fast enough loop. If I was playing my corporate stooge character, then I'd be like, no, no, we can't wait for that. We're going to have to get generations to kind of speed up or find some other way of cranking these out. I remember I had the PlayStation game and I remember the way you moved was you press the shoulder buttons and you would sort of amble. You press L1 to tilt to the left and then R1 to tilt to the right and that's how you would walk. You had to waddle. It sounds horrible. I didn't play it for very long because it's incredibly tedious, but I remember playing it. I didn't have it. It was a friend that had it, I think, back in the day. <laughs> you can probably find a speedrun of it somewhere. <laughs> Someone will have been tenacious enough to think, I'm going to speedrun Chicken Run. That's going to be my thing. Someone really wanted a world record and thought, this is my game. I can play this. No one will ever usurp me. doesn't matter how long it takes. It could take me three days and I would still have the world record. <laughs> and congratulations to Mel Gibson. Yes, who did that. <laughs> <laughs> on his Twitch channel. The Bike Riders is up next. The cast is really good on this, is my first thought. Tom Hardy's doing yet another voice. He likes to play mm-hmm. with accents. Yep. So he's doing another one of them. Although to me, it looks a bit kind of fake edgy, as in the biker jackets. They look a bit too clean and all that kind of stuff. It looks a bit like Sons of Anarchy, but without the grit. Yeah, I've got Sons of Anarchy in my notes. I wrote Sons of Anarchy minus one. See what I did there? <laughs> Classic raspy Tom Hardy. Jody Comer's in there. She loves doing accents as well. So we've got accents aplenty. The title, though, is this a reference to something? Is there something I'm missing? It's based on a true story, so I'm guessing that's what they were actually called. Okay. The gang in the 
trailer looked like the Vandals. And I just thought, where's this title come from? Is this a first draft that nobody ever went back to change? Could be. It has to be a reference to something, because why would you call your movie The Bike Riders? That doesn't <laughs> sound gripping at all. No, it does look a bit sanitized Sons of Anarchy. I haven't seen much of Sons of Anarchy, but I know it was very gritty and dark and all that stuff. Yeah, I watched all of it and it was a kind of guilty pleasure because at times it was pretty exploitative and it was violent for the sake of being violent. But it, it was one of those shows where when something shocking did happen, it was memorable and as i've mentioned already if something shocks me then i'm more likely to pay attention than just sort of being bored by it so maybe it will capture that sons of anarchy audience there was a spin-off of sons of anarchy as well which i started watching and never really got anywhere with i saw three episodes of sons of anarchy and decided it wasn't really for me charlie hunnam trying to act tough kind of put me off (laughs) yeah there's just that (laughs) over and over again for however many seasons eight or seven or something and ron perelman just seeming a bit bored to be honest (laughs) i think he always seems bored these days though he's just turning up for the paycheck maybe watch this i don't know probably won't probably not for me next up is a different kind of vehicle ferrari there's a car in this you've got adam driver with gray hair or silver hair I liked the sound of the engine over the trailer. I thought that was really effective. I talked about Shailene Woodley in a thankless wife role earlier. Is this another <laughs> one of those? She tends to do a lot of that, and it's really disappointing because she is very good. Carving out a niche. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to turn up and be the wife in a few scenes, and that'll do me. <laughs> she was in that Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the NSA hacking thing. I forget what it was called. It was named after the guy. Bugging me now, I can't remember. Was that a thankless wife role? Yes. Oh. Or girlfriend, I think. Maybe she wasn't his wife. But anyway, she was thankless partner i guess we can extend the definition i was gonna say playing a thankless girlfriend i mean that's got some nuance to it (laughs) yeah she's not been the same (laughs) this was one where they agreed to meet the terms of the strike so the actors were allowed to promote it and they did so at a film festival there was a picture of the panel and adam driver's nameplate on the stage said a driver which i thought was really funny (laughs) see what they did there (laughs) someone really thought about that yeah. It doesn't give you a lot about what the film's going to be about. It seems like it's going to be a, the creation of the car, I guess. Yeah, I feel like we've seen a few of these. They're not really biopics, but they're like House of Gucci or something like that. Yeah. Take some historical figure from the recent past and let's spin it and examine that sort of thing. That's what I noted down. We've got the costume, we've got the grey hair, you're doing the accent maybe, and then throw in a sort of Ford v Ferrari type thing as well where Mm. it's that vintage racing so it's like mashup of these sorts of things I'm sure there's lots of other examples I was trying to come up with other recent examples of films where it's notable figures from the world of fashion or racing or whatever it might be sport and it seems there's a market for that sort of thing so this seems like it could be successful Adam Driver's always good so I would expect him to be great in it yeah there's Gran Turismo as well and I tend to think the biopics or factual stories are better when they focus on a condensed period of time rather than the birth to death type situation because it tends to be you just check in with the subject every now and again and there's no real depth to the story whereas if it's this is taking place over however long it takes to develop the car for example then you have more time to just drill into who these people are yeah i would agree but it's an effective trailer i liked the use of the engine throughout in place of dialogue for the most part and it's michael Mann, right yes so that's got to be good yeah but did you see the one where chris hemsworth was a hacker that's not very good I didn't. Black Hat, I think it was called. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. It was not very good. It predicates on believing that Chris Hemsworth could be a hacker. (laughs) That's the toughest barrier to entry right off the bat. But I do love Miami Vice, and that's not particularly well-liked Michael Mann movies. (laughs) Maybe it'll appeal to me. Yeah, I hated that one. Heat is amazing, (sighs) though. I haven't read the sequel, but I like the film. So we'll see. I'll probably see this. It should be interesting, at least. Yeah, worth a look. 
let's get into the post-apocalypse now, the end we start from. This is a really short trailer. It seems to be about protecting family in the midst of disaster and a new beginning, the world is beginning again sort of thing. Almost the Noah's Flood sort of idea. Yeah, I was getting that, some sort of catastrophe, more Jodie Comer doing accents, although this one's an English accent, I think, but not her own. <laughs> so still counts, still get a check in that box, mark your bingo cards. There's not a lot to it, and it just kind of gives you that hint of something apocalyptic. And one of the notes I put was, it's set in London, which is drowned. I imagine the press screenings will still only happen there. <laughs> Let's move on to Pain Hustlers, a Netflix movie. My note here is, like we have a sanitised Sons of Anarchy, this is a bit of a sanitised Wolf of Wall Street. We are simpatico. I also have this Wolf of Wall Street versus Sicko or some kind of big pharma takedown. Yeah, it looks fine, actually. I quite like seeing Chris Evans playing douchebags as well, because it's so against type for me and what I've experienced him in Captain America, but he's a douchebag. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I thought that that might appeal to you. <laughs> Maybe the knives out kind of way. Yeah, seeing him as a almost Jordan Belfort type character. It wouldn't be quite as large as that, though, I don't think. Yeah, and that was kind of pantomime, wasn't it? Yeah. But another bad title, like after the bike riders, I've got a new set of checkboxes or squares on the bingo card for <laughs> Pain Hustlers. Again, this felt like a first stab and then we'll revisit that. Never did. So they're trying to sell useless illegal drugs to people or something like that and make a lot of money out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's two words that kind of describes that, but I don't know if it's the best. <laughs> yeah, I might give it a watch just to see Chris Evans playing a douchebag. That might just carry the film for me. Good. And Emily Blunt's in it as well, so they managed to get her to show up. So that might <laughs> mean it has something. <laughs> Is she ever really in bad stuff? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think she's pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty dependable. Safe bet. Safe pair of hands. <laughs> but it's Netflix, so it's going to be second screen viewing, isn't it? <laughs> we could watch it while we're recording a podcast. That's what they expect us to do. Just background viewing. Yeah. And hopefully it's not this. Well, actually, I can imagine it's going to be that algorithmic, formulaic. This is what the research has told us we need to make. So here we go. Yeah. I did put actually in my notes CW, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> And it kind of has that vibe, well-lit, full of pretty people. It's thinking it's going to push it to the edge, but might not quite. Yes, I would agree with those observations. We're going to move on to something that I'm not really familiar with too much. I haven't seen any Miyazaki films, I don't think, but you said you were into them. So, The Boy and the Heron. What do you think of this as a trailer? Apparently not his last film, when it was suggested that it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, the trailer kind of meets my expectations for a Miyazaki movie. I'm expecting the film to be like his others, weird and slow and haunting and challenging, but magical. Visually stunning. Visually stunning, yeah. And it, it delivers all that kind of stuff. I've heard that it's weird. The trailer looks a little bit weird, but then as I say, it doesn't look like it's got anything beyond a spirited away. I'm willing to be surprised or shocked, or this could be my favourite thing ever if it's that weird. But Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, always delivers, so I will end up watching this. And it's interesting because I think that for all those reasons and for all those things I've mentioned about why these are always so weird and kind of a bit slow and I can't really imagine having grown up with them because I believe people refer to this as almost the Japanese Disney hmm. and I think it's as culturally important there as Disney is to the western audience and I can't really imagine being a young kid and growing up with this although maybe that would be great and magical and crazy but yeah I, I think they're less formulaic than a lot of Disney movies there's definitely more weird ideas and there's a lot of sadness and confronting death and that sort of thing which you do get in some Disney movies as well to be fair I'm not a parent but I think if I were a parent I would probably be encouraging my kids to watch this sort of thing over a more rote fair get them into reading subtitles early yeah or the English voice casts are always pretty good Princess Mononoke that was them wasn't it 
Yeah. I'm sure it was Natalie Portman that did a voice in that one for the dub. Yeah, and Christian Bale was in Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, there's usually some pretty A-list celebs doing the voice cast for the English dub. And there'll be the people that will watch the dub and there'll be the people that prefer to kick it old school and watch the subtitled version. Yeah, and I think that we've done a bit of both. Sometimes if it is a good cast and sometimes, yeah, you're just not in the mood to read subtitles as well, so it's a lot easier to kind of stick it on and have Christian Bale talking to you. With something as visually stunning as that, I would hate to have the subtitles on because they would distract me and I wouldn't be looking at the visuals. So Mm -hmm. if I was going to watch it, it would have to be dubbed. Yeah, I do think there's value in watching it in the original language as well because there's a different tone and just the overall sound, the musicality of it seems to go really well. But yes, part of your attention is taken away from the stunning visuals. Yeah, fair enough. So it sounds like you're excited about that and maybe in the IMAX screening when it appears. Yeah, that'd be great. They showed one of them definitely in IMAX. I remember seeing a lot of trailers for it when it was coming out, whatever the last one was. What was the last one? I don't know. I can't remember. (laughs) Doesn't matter. That's homework for the listeners. Look it up. (laughs) We're moving into a bit of a horror section now. Everything after this point pretty much is horror. So let's start with Thanksgiving. To be honest, this looks like a fairly standard slasher, but kind of not a bad one, actually. Yeah, and it's in that tradition of holiday-based horror. There's plenty of Black Christmases and Krampuses and that sort of thing. And obviously Halloween is, is the time for horror. This can't be the only Thanksgiving horror movie called Thanksgiving. No, surely not. It looks like it's got an interesting style. I wondered if it was based on an existing IP or if there was a graphic novel or something. I don't know, because it looked just the look of the killer or just some of the way that this trailer looked made me think that it was based on something else. Maybe not. Maybe it's just got its own nice stylistic approach. The other note I have is Lewis from Suits in it. He's definitely the killer. <laughs> I don't know Suits. Okay. He kind of looks like a serial killer in that show as well. He's not. Or at least not as far as I've seen, but he's definitely the killer. He has that look about him. The guy just at the end who is saying something shifty at the dinner table. <laughs> I mean, that does lean towards killer vibes, I guess. But maybe they're fooling me by suggesting that he's the killer and he won't be. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's too clever for me. I don't know. I'll need to watch it and find out. I'll second screen it while I'm doing something else. What's this on? I don't know. I didn't look that up. Oh, Cinemas, okay. I think. Is it? Okay. Out in cinemas around Thanksgiving, I guess. Around Thanksgiving. Hence the title. It all makes sense now. Yeah. The next one is Bodies, which is about four detectives in four different time periods in London find themselves investigating the same murder. So a fairly standard story, murder mystery investigation, but the time gimmick is pretty interesting. Seems like they'll complement each other. The first guy will solve part of the murder and then the next guy will come and find the rest of it. It'll be kind of a cold case that stretches across a long time, maybe. That's the vibe I get anyway. I thought that this sounded a bit more interesting. Thanksgiving did look quite like a run-of-the-mill horror movie beyond that stylish stuff I mentioned. It seems like the kind of slashery type stuff we've seen a lot of times before, whereas this did seem like a bit more of an interesting concept. I marked it out as being one to potentially give a look because it just sounded a bit different. I'm intrigued by that concept, the same body across different time periods. I want to know more. The trailer is very abstract, though possibly a little too abstract. Yeah, you think they're hiding something? I wouldn't have been necessarily interested in it unless I'd looked up what the concept was before watching the trailer. I think there was enough about the trailer that drew me in. As you said, got a few horror movies or shows on the list here, and some of them do just give me the same sort of vibes of, yeah, I feel like I've seen this sort of thing before. So when it's something like this, it did stand out a little bit. So there was enough there to draw me in. Yeah, fair. Well, for me, it was the background reading that drew me in. So it got me in anyway, either way. Next up, In the Fire, we have Amber Heard leading a film. Can't imagine why that would be a problem. (laughs) 
let's maybe not go into it. Although what I will say about Amber Heard is, is she any good? Because I've never thought so. I've seen her in a bunch of stuff and she's always pretty rubbish. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever been blown away by any of her performances. I wondered if this is going to get more attention just because of that connection, just because she's in it and that gives it a certain kind of notoriety. Yeah, it's a bit like the Omen, but Western almost, it seems. Yeah, and having just mentioned things we've seen before, I feel like, yes, period setting, it's got that kind of exorcism element. This is one that I think yeah, looks like you've probably seen it if you've seen similar movies. Yeah, Saban Films making it, who are the people behind Power Rangers. What a twist that would be. It's just a Power Rangers movie. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out Amber Heard's playing the pink Power Ranger, travelled back in time. <laughs> that would be incredible, actually. I'm not too enthusiastic about this. Like you say, it seems a bit... Typical. Yep. And Amber Heard, she's not impressing me in this role as well. So, yeah, probably won't watch it. That's an avoid. Yeah, I'll put that in Room 101 if we did such a thing. (laughs) We don't, but we could. Moving on to something I'm interested in, Five Nights at Freddy's video game adaptation. It looks like what I understand the game to be, the camera following the people and, and all that stuff. Looks creepy and interesting. The design work on the metal doll stuff looks really cool. The setting looks really good. I'm really amped for this, actually. Yeah, I'd agree. I think this goes beyond that run-of-the-mill stuff because there's the games, there's that creepy setting. I'm interested in that approach because I don't think it's necessarily an adaptation of a video game, but because you've got those elements, you can do something a bit different with it. It's something that would easily translate to a film, I think. Yeah, I haven't played the game. Neither have I gather that they're very popular and anytime I look on the app store they get advertised to me as being some of the most popular things on there it's 7.99 I'm not buying that <laughs> so I can understand why the IP has now landed here as in another revenue stream but yeah I agree they look creepy it's from the producers of Megan I haven't seen Megan but I like calling that out in the trailer they, they splash that up and again that may appear later as well Mithrigan's very good yeah, Mithrigan. Don't know what they'll call the second one. Mithrigan 2. Mithrigan 2.0. Then what do they call the third one? Just Mithrigan again. Well, there's plenty of precedent of just using the original <laughs> title. Yeah. The running time was confirmed. It was rumoured to be over three hours, but it's actually one hour 50. <laughs> I think it was people just not understanding what an assembly cut is again. Okay. The cut is over three hours. That happens with all films. <laughs> That's before it goes into the editing room. So they chop it into something watchable. Hopefully watchable. No guarantees. But an hour 50? Breezy, creepy watch? Yeah. Maybe I'll play the game one day. Maybe not. Who knows? Moving on to Goosebumps TV show that's coming on Hulu and Disney Plus and so forth. Did you ever read or watch Goosebumps back in the day? I'd never read any of them. I probably saw bits of the TV show, but I did not watch it in any meaningful way. The TV show was actually atrocious. The acting (laughs) is so bad. I remember watching it at the time and just accepting it, but it was on Netflix for a while. And I tried watching a couple of episodes and I was thinking, how did I ever sit through this crap? It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just on the cusp of being too old for it, for both the books and the TV programme. So yeah, that one kind of passed me by, so I don't have the nostalgia for it. But again, I can understand why when you're churning through IP that you own, why not reboot it? Did you see the Jack Black movie? I did not. Okay. In the Jack Black movie, it seems like it's the same concept as this. In that movie, the creations come into the real world from his books and start terrorising them. Right. I haven't seen the sequel, but I can't figure out if Jack Black's actually in the sequel or not. It seems like he <laughs> might not be, but the first one's quite good. Jack Black plays R.L. Stein. Uh-huh. It's quite fun. So it seems like this is the same idea. Each episode is going to be based on one of the stories, but it haunts the same characters. So there's the Say Cheese and Die camera, the Haunted Mask, Cuckoo Clock of Doom, etc. And they will all haunt the same characters who'll be aware of them 
because they've read the books or are aware of the books. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, there was something in the trailer, a line about getting revenge for what our parents did to him. And I was thinking this is very Kruger-esque. This is very Nightmare on Elm Street. But then I don't know enough about it. I don't know if there are going to be Easter slash Halloween eggs in there for fans of the originals or the existing movies that I'm pretty unaware of as well. Easter eggs slash pumpkins. Yeah. The books are young person horror books, really. I remember reading them when I was at primary school, so I'd have been about eight to ten years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever actively scared by them, but they were engaging enough. And there was a formula that you could sort of work out as you were going as well. <laughs> it was quite easy. They had those choose-your-own-adventure books as well. Also Goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You approach your door, and what do you do? Do you open the door, turn to page 17, or... You don't open the door, turn to page 152, and then you flip around. Those were fun. Check both to see which is the better option. Yeah, well, sometimes you would pick one and you would end up dying, so you just have to go back to where you started and then <laughs> choose the other option. There was a lesser-known one as well, which I wonder if they're ever going to do anything with, called Spine Chillers. Same idea. Young person horror stuff written by someone else. Yeah, I remember there being different versions of similar things at the same as you usually get deep impact armageddon style (laughs) there's the knockoff version pogs and slammer whammers i'm getting really (laughs) deep into 90s lore how long until we get the pog movie that's going to happen isn't it (laughs) yeah well now that barbie's been a success we've got to mine all the rest of those toys every single toy you ever owned will become a film or a tv show yeah it's going to be hell on earth I'll give this a watch, I think. It looks pretty good. And enjoyed the Jack Black film. So if you're in the mood for a breezy comedy horror, watch the Jack Black one. And it's probably pretty good for younger viewers as well, as a kind of entry point to horror. A gateway to horror. Yeah, although it could be a bit too meta, because the characters will be aware of the books that already exist, rather than it being an anthology show that's just the stories adapted, which they could have also done. The humour and the tone seemed like it was that kind of level. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. Let's move on to Totally Killer, which is Back to the Future, but also a slasher movie. It's self-aware about it. It references it pretty much in the opening seconds of the trailer. So it's like Happy Death Day is Groundhog Day, but a slasher. Mm. And on that basis, and the fact that it was Blumhouse producing it, I'm eager for it. I think it looks really good. The tone initially put me off. And it's just in the first few seconds, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. But then... As the trailer went on and it kind of dawned on me what was happening and it spun out the kind of 80s stuff and also got the producers of Megan in there as well. So, <laughs> so mark that one off. Yeah, I was thinking crime that hasn't happened yet. Minority Report, maybe? No. Then it pivots. It's got like an explanation of time travel movies. There's the cops who don't want to believe about it. They never make any sense, that sort of thing. It's great. You can just explain it away. That's fine. I like that. I've got Tron to the future. There's definitely something there. Get pulled into the past through an arcade game. And I quite liked the mashup of there's a lot of things in there American Horror Story the 1984 season the horror the time travel probably trading on the same 80s nostalgia Stranger Things that sort of thing by the end of this I was convinced this is one that I've highlighted as being worth a look sure have you seen Happy Death Day no I don't think I have it's really good the two of them are really good they sort of focus more on the sci-fi than they do the slasher the first film is more of a time loop than a slasher movie Right. And then the second one is more of a sci-fi movie than a slasher movie. And do you think that this looks like it's ripping off any of those ideas? Or is it just because it's covering similar ground that you, you mention it? I think it's going to be similar in the sense that it's, it's very self-aware about what it's doing. It immediately yeah. references Back to the Future in the trailer by saying, yes, we know we're the same concept pretty much and then you have the cop that says time travel movies never make any sense that suggests that the film will either try to subvert it or that's possibly the joke i agree yeah i like that so i'm looking forward to seeing this one i think it will be a lot of fun i really like these self-aware bloomhouse things i still haven't seen freaky which is Catherine newton swapping bodies with vince vaughn who's a serial killer (laughs) apparently that's pretty good as well 
Bloomhouse seem to be, pardon the pun, killing it right now when it comes to the releases. <laughs> Stuff like this, anyway. Their Halloween remakes and things are, are maybe a bit questionable in quality, but these original mm. low-budget or mid-budget ideas are, are really good. Yeah, they're giving a shot to some of these sorts of ideas, giving them a, a chance. Let's move on to Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. I'm less enthusiastic about this. Looks like a shameless cash grab that's trading on the name and it's doing nothing all that exciting. Just more of the same as what you would expect from a Pet Cemetery movie, really. Same here. We've touched on this a couple of times, but yeah, this looks like it's a run-of-the-mill wrote horror movie again. Trading on this weak Stephen King connection probably started life as something else, but just <laughs> kind of got Pet Cemetery slapped onto it. Duchovny, I like that, but it's definitely not enough to draw me in. Does Duchovny tend to do good stuff? I know there was Californication, which apparently was very good. My love for him is based entirely on Fox Mulder. I don't think his post-X-Files career has been anything to write home about, but I do like seeing him. Technically, he's never had a post-X-Files career. He's never stopped doing the X-Files. <laughs> he knows when he's onto a good thing. Long gaps, perhaps, but, but never actually stopped. Yeah, I did like seeing him, but not enough that I would put myself through this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not keen. I don't think I'll watch it. I can just watch the original Pet Cemetery and probably get the same. Yeah. And there was a remake of that somewhat recently as well. There was, and it was probably this, but slightly better. Maybe. Or about the same. Well, maybe about the same. I have seen it, and it was everything that I expect this to be, but because this is a copy-and-paste version, we will lose some of that. Yeah. This next one's pretty interesting. John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. It's probably better to explain what this show is rather than go by the trailer. Basically, it's an unscripted horror anthology series and an exploration of true tales of terror that took place in seemingly perfect American hometowns. Carpenter will direct an episode of the series, which he also produces, and compose the theme music. He wrote the theme tune, sung the theme tune. The series is Carpenter's first major project that he's directing since 2010's The Ward. The series explores the dark secrets and unspeakable evil that sometimes lurks beneath the surface of the sun-drenched streets, manicured lawns and friendly neighbours of suburbia. Each episode focuses on one true tale of terror told by the real people who live through it. In addition to first-hand accounts, the episode will include cinematic reenactments, personal archives, and historic town press coverage. So it sounds like it's different. I'm glad that you gave me the explainer because I had more questions than anything watching this. That's why I was like, what is this? When I saw the trailer. Yeah, what is this? I'm thinking, is it an anthology? It looks like an anthology. I'm glad that you've cleared that up. Is it based on true stories or is it one of these inverted commas? It's based on true stories. I couldn't really tell that. And I was like, are these interviews? Are these actors? Is this reenactments? Turns out both. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff that you've covered there. And then I was also thinking, what is Carpenter's connection? Got his name in the title. Is this just a cash grab or is this just a way we can draw people in by having that up there? But you've answered those questions, directing, producing. I like the music that he does for his movies. So there's a lot to interest me there. I'm slightly wary that it is just a kind of, let's put his name on the marquee and that'll do it. Yeah. On that token, the trailer fails because it doesn't give you enough information to let you figure out what you're about to watch well yeah i agree just having john carpenter's name in it probably wouldn't have been enough to sell me on it so whatever they're paying you it was worth it <laughs> yeah, there we go <laughs> interesting now that you know what it actually is yeah crap trailer the lessons in chemistry brie larson's in an apple tv plus thing my first note is the show is going to make me hungry <laughs> lots of cooking and stuff mm. and it's going to get very feminist so it's going to be super woke uh, another thing that people can get annoyed at Brie Larson about. <laughs> it's always good. Yeah, it's almost sad to have to anticipate all of that. It looks pretty good, though. I think it looks interesting. I think it looks interesting. It looks like they're addressing some interesting ideas and themes and the message. But something about it that isn't drawing me in particularly. I can see that there's worth there, but it didn't bubble to the top of my list. Okay, looks all right. I'll 
maybe watch an episode or two and see what it's like. Apple TV Plus stuff seems to be pretty high quality consistently, so that's something to look forward to, perhaps. I feel like I'm not well placed to get excited about this being a white guy, but <laughs> I should be into feminist media, and also this looks like it deals with civil rights issues as well. These are all worthy topics. I just reacted to it in the way that I did, where I was like, <laughs> okay, I can see that there's worth there. I just am not that interested in it. I'm sorry. So what you're saying is you hate Brie Larson and hate that she's woke. Yeah, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible, terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very brave of you to admit that. <laughs> Taking a stand. Yeah. The next one, do you ever dream about Nicolas Cage? Because everyone on Earth does in the dream scenario movie. I don't know if I ever have had a dream about Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Maybe I have. It looks good. It looks like you might get a bit of subtle Nick Cage, which is somewhat lacking sometimes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought this looked quite refreshing and that obviously everything going on around him looks weird. The setting's weird. He's showing up in people's dreams and that's quite weird. But his performance does seem to be less of the full-scale oddball Nick Cage. Except in some moments when he's holding an axe and stuff yeah it does ramp up a little bit and i was thinking oh maybe they're holding back some of the proper <laughs> over the top stuff and that's usually a selling point or that's kind of what he's marketed on these yeah. days so you'd think maybe they would just go for it and go full vampire's kiss yeah i do wonder if it's somewhat a commentary on being an overnight celebrity and then being famous for essentially nothing yeah it could be because he's just living his life and suddenly he's famous although a lot of the times those kinds of celebrities they want to be famous but they don't have any actual selling point that would make them worthy of being famous whereas he just stumbles into it i suppose yeah and the sorts of quotes and things that they flash up in the trailer or the reactions do seem to be good obviously you wouldn't put bad ones in there but it does make me think that there's something interesting going on and that maybe this is a latter-day cage performance that's worth taking a look at maybe it'll be nuanced maybe he'll do both maybe he's capable of it both extremes yeah yeah the next one, Killers of the Flower Moon. We have another trailer for that. I feel like there's been about nine of them. This is the latest one. The film is three hours, 26 minutes long. I feel like that's worth mentioning. Wow. It could be quite an undertaking to get through, and it seems like it's going to be quite heavy hitting. Mm. But it's a Scorsese film, so they usually are. And Leo may be going for his second Oscar. Yeah, this is probably bad after my reaction to Lessons in Chemistry. But again, I am a white guy in his 30s. It's got De Niro, it's got DiCaprio, it's got Scorsese connection. You can see there will be blood type stuff going on here. It's hitting me in the right places that I am interested in this. Okay. The ingredients do look right for me. I think I just need to broaden my horizons. I need to start watching stuff that doesn't initially just say, oh, this is made for you. You need to watch this. <laughs> but I... I can't help it i reacted in the way they wanted me to and thought yeah, yeah i'll give this a watch the runtime does put me off slightly and if, if this is cinematic though or if this is released in the cinema that is an easier undertaking for me because anything that is so long and i see those numbers flash up on my tv screen at home i think no i am not putting three plus hours into this <laughs> yeah plus half an hour for the stupid cinema adverts and all that stuff yeah but i, I just find that commitment easier to make i did watch the irishman but it took me a long time to get around to it because i just thought i can't be sitting here this whole time and i do like to try not to get distracted or be looking at my phone or anything but that's so much harder to do when you're at home yeah when i recreate cinema conditions i just put my phone away i put it across the room i put it on do not disturb turn all the lights out and just be with myself for a little while admirable and the cat can't stop him like i said it is like a cinema audience when you have the cat because he's running about making noise give him a crisp packet to play with and he's <laughs> rustling away <laughs> It doesn't matter what I give him, he'll find something to rustle about. <laughs> you could get rid of everything and you would still find something that makes noise. Or you hear a bell or something. It's just not good. 
<laughs> cool. So you'll be seeing this. I haven't decided yet, even though I've had about nine trailers to mull it over. Yeah, I'm in. I'll make a snap decision when it comes out, I guess. If I have the time that weekend, I'll do it. Just think about your demographic. <laughs> what demographic? <laughs> well, speaking of demographics, let's move on to Percy Jackson and the Olympians. <laughs> I haven't seen the two films that they made, The Lightning Thief and whatever the other one was called. Lightning Thief 2. Sure. <laughs> the age-appropriate actors is a good start. They're supposed to be really young, as I understand it, in the story. I'm going to have to take your word for it. This would be something that Kat would be able to feed into a bit more, but she's not available because she's on her honeymoon. Congrats to Kat for getting married, by the way. She did that. So, obviously can't take time out of her honeymoon to record this podcast, which, to be honest, I think is completely unacceptable. Lack of commitment. Yeah, shocking lack of dedication. It really is. But anyway, it's Greek myths and stuff. I remember when this was announced, she was talking about how she would be interested to see what they do with this because it is children's Greek myths kind of thing. Mm. I think it looks pretty good, although I don't know if it'll be for me. It's a bunch of very young kids as essentially superheroes. I take it this has no relation. It doesn't follow on from any of the other movies. No, it's a reboot, but it is based on the books. That's interesting that it should have been rebooted so relatively soon. I don't know when the last lot were, but I guess it's about like his dark materials. This would work better as a TV series, so let's do a TV series. Right, yeah, because the films, I guess, felt like the kind of knockoff Harry Potter's. It was around that time, yeah. Yeah, I guess there's always room for magical school kids going on adventures. Why not? Yeah, sure. It will have an audience. It will. Watch it before Disney delete it, as they like to do. Let's move on to Frasier, brackets 2023, the reboot of Frasier. I <laughs> really think this looks dreadful. I expected it to be essentially dated sitcom, but in HD, based on the images that were released last month. And that's what it looks like. Yep, it looks like the time for Frasier has come and gone. <laughs> I agree, the sitcom setting does look so dated. I don't know, is it a shame? Our rewatch has kind of stalled out because we were like, okay, we've seen four and a half, maybe five seasons of this. It's done everything it needs to do. I don't know how much more <laughs> we can take. Is there anyone who's anticipating this? <laughs> I don't feel as if there can be. Actually, some people I talk to seem to be quite excited about it. Really? Yeah, I don't understand why. It does look like just the same thing. Why do we need this now? The dynamics look very similar to what they were before. Nicholas Lindhurst is essentially Niles and Freddie is Martin. Yeah, exactly. So you've got the down-to-earth everyman. You've got another snooty character. A snooty nibbler. Yeah. I was noting down that I think that Americans will probably like the snooty Nicholas Lindhurst character. <laughs> I didn't like the look of that. I'd always liked the Niles and Fraser relationship, and Niles, I think, was my favourite character. This doesn't really do it for me. I do wonder about, just feel like they like having an English character or a British character more than that works for us here in the UK. There was that food critic in it, I can't remember his name. Gil. Right. That character seemed to just, because it's kind of a stereotype that it works <laughs> for an American audience maybe, better than it would for here, and I feel like Lindhurst is probably going to be doing that a lot, and that kind of humour just doesn't do it for me. Of the cast of Frasier, other than, of course, Frasier, Roz is the only one who shows up, I don't know for how long, she is in at least one episode, I believe. None of the other actors are, and I do wonder, since we're back in Boston, if some of the Cheers actors will end up showing up. Yeah, I've heard that that might happen. And again, it'll almost be kind of shocking or sad to see <laughs> how much some of these people have melted. Yeah, I'll give it a, a go, but I'm not optimistic. <sighs> yeah, I'm the same. Just let things finish. Let us just say goodbye to things. We had, what, nine seasons of Frasier? We don't need more. Let the past die, the sort of Last Jedi approach. <laughs> <laughs> let it just go out gracefully instead of dredging it up again <laughs> yeah but unfortunately we are in that cycle yeah let's move on to the animated comic book realm and if i was thinking i would have put the two dc things together but i didn't so i'm just gonna stick with this kite man colon hell yeah 
which is a Harley Quinn spin-off, adult animation, and using the comedy of giving an obscure, essentially useless character the spotlight, which might be quite fun. I haven't seen any of the Harley Quinn cartoon. I knew that there was an adult uh, or mature Harley Quinn cartoon. It's okay. I found it a bit much, though. I haven't even seen it all. I watched some of it, but it's something I can only take in small doses. Okay. I heard it was good, or it had been recommended. That hasn't got me to watch it, of course. Of course. Adult animation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like I've seen enough of Family Guy, American Dad, even Archer, which I liked to begin with, and then, okay, it was the same thing over and over again. I tired of it, and I feel as if I would get the same of Harley Quinn and also Kite Man. I don't know anything about the character. I can understand, as you've explained, you take an obscure character and, and then you make a funny show about that. But yeah, there's nothing too much there for me, I don't think. Like James Gunn did with the Suicide Squad. There's a lot of characters that no one's heard of, but they did some really good stuff with it. Right, and the, the point is that they're ridiculous. Yeah. I can see what they're going for. Maybe if I ever catch up with Harley Quinn, I'll eventually start watching this. Hmm. But like I say, I can only take Harley Quinn in small doses. It's rare I'll take a notion to just watch an episode. So I tend to watch it very slowly. But yeah, it seems like it might be all right. Kite Man's a ridiculous character. I like ridiculous characters. Okay, another thing. We have the prequel to The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We finally have a proper trailer for this. Have you seen the Hunger Games movies or indeed read the books or one or the other or both? I feel like the answer to that question every time you've asked it on this has been no, but in this case I have seen the first Hunger Games movie. I haven't read any of the books. First one's enough. Yeah, I feel like I'm an authority now. I can comment on this. I can talk about Hunger Games minus one. <laughs> I think this looks pretty good and something I talked about with Kat when the initial teaser was released is it might be more relevant now because there's been a lot more anti-capitalist sentiment flying around in more recent times. So it's something that might make the Hunger Games more relevant than it perhaps was at the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Because we all feel like we're in the Hunger Games, effectively, fighting over <laughs> scraps and things. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a bit too close to the bone, really. <laughs> yeah. Cost of living crisis. And actually, yes, you're living the Hunger Games now. And also, this is the prequel, so it means that you can't defeat the system because it's a prequel to the Hunger Games where the system has never been stronger. <laughs> yes. In fact, you're going to watch this potentially good person fall into darkness. So great. It can't possibly have a happy ending. Yeah. It does seem like it'll be about the fall of Coriolanus Snow. I'm guessing that something horrible will happen to Rachel Zegler's Lucy character. Something horrible? Yeah. Something horrible indeed. I like Rachel Zegler though. Anything I've seen her in, I think she's been really good. And I do appreciate her honesty about the roles that she takes, even though she gets a lot of hate for it when she talks about it. For example, when she was asked why she took the role in Shazam 2, she said she needed the job. And then the whole Snow White debacle where she said that she wasn't a huge fan of Snow White when she was younger, but... Is that a requirement? I don't think so. I think being honest is good. Yeah. I guess everybody's so used to this marketing spin-off. Yes, I grew up watching this every day with my mum when I was a toddler or whatever. Mm, kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on board yeah. with Project. It happens a lot with Star Trek. It's like every Saturday night with the entire family sat around our small TV and watched a rerun of the original series. I'm sure you did. It's amazing how they managed to find all of these actors that have the same backstory. I know. It's insane. <laughs> It's a transcendent experience that everyone has, mm. apparently. I like the look of this. It's something that Cat will be able to weigh in perhaps more on at some point, but I haven't revisited the Hunger Games movies since seeing the trailer for this, so it's something I'd be interested to do. Certainly the first one. I remember the third and fourth one being a total slog because they separated them for financial reasons rather than creative reasons. Mm-hmm. Because everybody was doing it at the time, Harry Potter, Twilight, etc., there's no creative reason to do this. It was a fashionable thing to do. So basically you have one film where nothing happens 
and then another film where everything happens. That's the way it works. But yeah, do you think you'll watch this? To be honest, no. Okay. We've just talked about the merits of being honest. I did like some of the way that it looked sort of stylistically was interesting, but it's not at the top of my list. Okay, let's move on to the long-awaited, perhaps, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. This is the shortest lead time from a trailer being released to the film coming out that DC have ever had, which is a kind of a bizarre choice that they've made, perhaps. I like the first Aquaman film. It's absolutely nuts. It does so much. It tries to be a bit of everything and puts it into a blender. And what comes out is this weird paste that kind of works. And it's carried with the charisma of Jason Momoa. If you're going to do Aquaman, you're not going to find anyone more suited to the role than him, I think. And DC missed a trick by not jumping on this sequel because it is the only one of their shared universe such as it is, that made a billion dollars. So why aren't you rushing this one out to capitalize on that instead of waiting however many years? I can't remember. I think it's like 10 years, something like that. Yeah, I like the look of this. It looks pretty insane. Like the first one, the buddy quest with Patrick Wilson could be pretty fun. Have you seen the first one? I haven't. Okay. I have to admit, I have not. You get to see tomorrow Morrison in it. Boba Fett himself. Yeah, I noted Boba Fett in the trailer. (laughs) He is Aquaman's dad i haven't seen the first one i'm kind of out on the dc cinematic universe i haven't really seen a lot of those either i thought yeah maybe this sort of team up looked a bit like a thor and loki setup oh yeah they're cashing in on that vibe right something else i noted was that this is quite a long trailer and shows off quite a lot i mean obviously it's aggressive a lot of what they are showing you but i wondered how much they held back how much of the movie are you managing (laughs) to see through the trailer it's also a lot of disconnected imagery though so i think there's still plenty there that will surprise you even if it's just to give you context Right. But I'll see it. I think it'll be fun. Jason Momoa is always good value. Yeah, I really liked him in Fast X. The only good thing in Fast X. <laughs> His stock is definitely on the yeah. rise if that's possible. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's been on the rise for a while. There was a lot of chatter online about why he dries his Aquaman suit. <laughs> it's on the washing line yeah. in the trailer. <laughs> it's a nice little touch. <laughs> a weird thing that people notice and then get obsessed about. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to wear a soaking wet suit before he gets in the water yeah it's got to make it difficult to get on he wants to be dry for at least a minute before he has to get soaked again <laughs> I did take a note of the quote isn't exactly the same but the I'm a father now lines that reminded me of in one of the fast trailers maybe for nine where Vin Diesel was saying the same thing but with far less charisma and <laughs> emotion we know that Vin Diesel won't be watching this because he hates people that are in his films that are more talented than he is. So. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it's going to make a billion dollars. I think it's effectively dead or arrival. I think people are not that interested in the current slate of comic book movies in general, mm-hmm. considering most of them have flopped over the last year. I don't think this one will be any different. Yeah, it's um, an interesting time, I suppose. A bit of a turning point. Yeah, I'll definitely see. Good pre-Christmas movie, I suppose. can hear the familiar engine of the TARDIS arriving, which should be audible to you as well. Yeah, there's definitely something warping in here. So I don't know if you want to hide for a bit and we'll see if the Doctor slash Isaac has anything to say about Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm going to get under the desk. Just give me a shout when you need me. It's behind the sofa for Doctor Who. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to get behind the sofa and give me a shout when you need me. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Isaac, you're here. The note I left across time somewhere on an old brick or whatever. It seems to have worked again. Oh, those little light-up cubes. The Time Lord cubes. (laughs) Yeah, I found your Time Lord cube. Yeah, you found it. Angus is hiding behind the sofa. 
because he's too afraid to show himself. He doesn't like talking to me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He heard the TARDIS and thought, I'm hiding behind the sofa. Just say I'm not in. Don't have to talk to him about Doctor Who again. Not interested. We'll shame him. Just Angus is afraid of talking about Doctor Who. Yes, so we were only, well, from our point of view, but quite recently, but that's time travel. Yeah, we may have recorded or may be about to record a talk about the 50th anniversary special in anticipation of the 60th. And there may or may not be some speculation in that episode that may or may not be wrong based on this trailer that's been recently released. I don't think there was anything that we got wrong, really. I think, so spoiler alert for a future episode, we didn't speculate very hard. Yeah. And we were like, ah, oh, it should be all right. <laughs> I think that was about as in-depth as we got with that. Yeah. But now we have our first full trailer, and my initial reaction to it is, it's very Russell T. Davies' blockbuster Doctor Who, isn't it? It feels like it's 2009 again, or whenever it was it finished. It is very that era. Yeah. Which I think I was sort of worried about, but if this was the trailer for Shooty Gatwa's first season or something, that'd be a bit more like, oh, he's just doing his old tricks again. But this might just be for the David Tennant 14th Doctor stuff. Just a bit of old-fashioned blockbusteriness to sort of let him just go weird on the next bit or do a fresh thing on the next bit i mean he might not but i'm gonna hope he does i mean it's only a trailer but it does feel kind of like the way he wrote doctor who way back when and i did have some issues with the way russell t davies did stuff it was the escalation principle that always bothered me the idea that he's always trying to one-up and top himself yeah and it led to stories not making a lot of sense for that reason that is kind of a trouble when you think of what's the biggest thing i can do and then the next time you have to go well, what's the biggest thing i can do and i've only done the biggest thing how can i wipe the daleks out forever again yeah they're not in this by the looks of things though yeah by the looks of things and if we're jumping straight in so yeah straight off initial reaction this looks pretty fun i think there's some odd stuff but we'll get into it one thing that stood out to me very quickly was i was reminded of how much catherine tate annoys me i like the theory of the donna character but i don't like catherine tate i don't find her engaging or funny or anything like that so she just annoys me yeah i know that she was a very popular character yeah which is no martha no but a lot of it is all personal preference one thing that stood out to me which i thought was a little odd is it starts off reminding us that if she ever meets a doctor again this is it her head will explode or whatever and then we're in the trailer a bit later and she's chatting tardis and running around and it's like well obviously that's not a big problem yeah there'll be some caveat thrown in about i can give you your memories back for a few hours but then i'll have to take them off you again machine gets a neil patrick harris trick yeah he also did put in a random defense mechanism in case the master turned into everybody on earth he did that was a weird one her head seemed to explode but it just knocked out all the masters i think she likes coming back to film with david Tennant and rusty davis again so he keeps having to go like okay well that's it i did that one you know that's kind of how she ends it's like i can do it again it's like all right then because i think they're all friends so okay we'll pick a caveat and apparently this was all because of when they were doing lockdown i don't know if you mentioned it in the last podcast but i was looking into apparently during lockdown they did watch alongs on twitter and catherine tate and david tennant joined in made temporary accounts so they could chat with everybody and then they were kind of like this is pretty fun we should do another one of these <laughs> so i think that sort of started the negotiations apparently so, oh we could try and come back for a special or something that may not be true that may just be like a nice story <laughs> when she was yelling what the hell and there's a martian in the kitchen and stuff i was thinking there she is just goes right through me yeah, it's that again. Because her characters grew over the, her series and became less in your face about everything. Yeah, less obnoxious. Less obnoxious. Still the sort of same character, but mellowed out. But now she's back to episode one equivalent, where everything is like, yeah, oh, it's a martial. What is that? Ah. I've somehow missed another 50 alien invasions. 
Yeah, that's Catherine Tate, she's back. David Tennant's Doctor, one thing I quite like as well, is he's not just a Tenth Doctor again. He's certainly not a goofball, this new one. Although some of the mannerisms are still there. The mannerisms, yeah, and everything except for personality, basically. Then again, that could just be from the trailer, because it's a grand-scale threat, but he seems very troubled. Yeah. One thing I definitely noticed was, in the trailer, they show clips from his last run as the Doctor, and it's clear how much he's aged when you see the two clips side by side. Yeah, as well, it's been... What was that? 2009-ish? Yeah. Yes, it's been a while. Still looking good for a Doctor. The same when Paul McGann came back for that special. He looks so much better as a Doctor now. He just sort of looks like he's the right fit, but I suppose that's the joy of playing a essentially immortal character. He can kind of come back whenever. Yeah, I mean, of course people age. That's just a thing that happens. But I guess I didn't really notice because I've seen David Tennant in a bunch of roles since. But you sort of watch him age naturally over the years as you see him in different projects. Yeah, it's not like a whip cut from 16 years past. Yeah, so when it's the, here's what it was like the last time I looked like this, and it's, oh well, okay. You've regenerated, but you look, I don't know, 15 years older or whatever. Yeah, oddly, very little Yasmin Finney. She's in a very brief scene. The BBC confirmed outside of the trailer that she is Donna's daughter, right? Yes, they confirmed she's Rose Temple Noble. Okay, so how old is she supposed to be then? I don't know, I can't remember if we discussed this in the episode everyone will listen up to, but we're assuming she's playing a character of Yasmin Finney's age. Which is how old? Probably around 18 or so. But she's in Heartstopper. What's her character's age in Heartstopper? End of high school, going into college. Probably like 16 to 18 or so. According to Google, she's 20. Okay, yeah, but she could play late teens to 20s age. So I think we could speculate that she's the daughter of the man Dunham married, and she's become a stepmom. Okay. I guess is one option. Or it could just be we're a few years ahead or maybe dropped on a few years back. The time elapsed for Donna and her daughter doesn't quite add up. If it's set in like 2027 or something like that, then I suppose that'll work time-wise. Yeah. But if it's set relative, if you remember the Russell T Davies era was always set a year ahead of our timeline as well. Yeah, so it was one up, but it was still very contemporary. You can't be like, oh, five years ahead or something. I also feel like he might have forgotten about that at some point. Probably. I guess it'll just be like, yeah, it's her daughter. And they won't mention Holgers. Yeah. It's also an option. But yeah, we get another thing confirmed. Oddly teased in the trailer, but confirmed 20 minutes later or so. Not in the trailer, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris's character. With some lines, it's like he's starting to remember. It's like an old worry from a long, long time ago. It's building up, who could it be? And then about half an hour later or so, it just went on. And yes, all speculation has been true. Neil Patrick Harris is playing the toy maker. Something you said from day one. I say I say, but everyone. You're the only voice on this podcast talking about it, so you can have the credit. I'm the only voice on this podcast. Apparently he's one of these characters, you know, there's always ones that are speculated all the time. Like, it's probably going to be this one. Hmm. Apparently this is a character that people have been clamouring to have back for a while. Okay. I don't know much about them. So I've been sort of looking up TV-wise. They're in one story. In 1966, which no longer exists. 57-year gap between appearances. Apparently also it's not a story anyone's in a rush to find, because apparently it's very poor slash racist. (laughs) But this is a character that really got going in the 90s, the age between TV Doctor Who's, and became this grand threat. Basically, they're the Riddler. Their toy maker is a very bored and immortal-ish being who invented their own dimension to play games with people. They build little traps and toys and then challenge people. So in the 66 story, the Doctor and their friends are pulled into the toy maker's dimension. A series of challenges were just childhood games, but with deadly consequences, were made and... They don't defeat the toy maker, they just escape. Oh, we just win the games and we leave. In the 90s, that became a bit more 
like having a thing of the night. It became a bit more extreme and a bit more dangerous. It's not really a character that you stop. I guess it's like Q in Star Trek. They're just sort of a beyond dimension being. You can't really defeat them. You just have to sort of survive through them. Tricksters. Yeah. One of those sort of ones. Okay. So knowing that and looking at this trailer, it looks like... So we've got the three episodes. A lot of it seems to be set in some sort of spaceship or big grey thingy. You know, all the scenes where the Doctor's stressed out and the stuff about, oh, the TARDIS has run away because it's too scared or whatever. I'm going to guess that that episode will be all the games and tricks that we'll have to try and get through. And then the third episode where Earth's in trouble and we get Avengers Tower and Unit and everything, that'll be part two, essentially. So it's like, oh, we've, we've tried to defeat his games and now he's come to Earth and now everyone's involved in the games, I guess. The Unit Tower's hilarious. Why would anyone let Unit ensure anything... It's exactly the Adventures Tower as well. It's not similar-ish. It's exactly the same one. <laughs> it's even got the unit where the A is. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just a big building. Oh, yeah, because he blew up the last Avengers Tower, didn't he? It was the unit HQ that was in power of the Doctor. That self-destructed, didn't it? Yeah. So it's not the same place. But apparently someone let them build another big tower in the middle of London, because that's a good idea. Surely it's... No, you can go out in a field in the sticks... We don't want you in our city. Give them the old Torchwood base. It's just under a park or <laughs> in Cardiff. Where you can't cause any trouble. So yeah, we get a lot of weird visuals with the Toymaker. The three specials, if he's the end boss fight, effectively, it suggests that the two specials preceding that could be challenges that they have to complete. Yeah, I think it'll be a loose three-parter. Yeah. Well, you see Beep the Meep, the little Muppet thing. Yeah, the little Muppet thing. That's the first one, right? Yeah, I think that'll be the first one. I think that'll be like the settle in. That'll be the fun one. Mm-hmm. Some crazy little gremlin puppet thing running yeah. around. And then two and three will be the Toymaker playing games, I guess. Or the Beep the Meep thing is started by the Toymaker as well in some way. Could be one of the games, yeah. I mean, it's, it looks like a toy. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be all the way throughout, just a troublesome guy. But there's a big visual where he's got the puppet strings and he's like a massive thing. We see Unit again, we see Kate Lethbridge again, and she's got an armband thing. Kate, who's collecting doctors and companions. She's collecting them, yeah. Well, speaking of companions, quite recently, for said for Series 15, Bonnie Langford's returning as Mel. And the picture they released of her, she's got her arms folded and she's wearing the same bracelet thingy. So people are wondering, oh, is this a link? Or it could be Unit Tech, because they both have the same prop armband. Power of the Doctor suggested that unit were going to start recruiting former companions. Yeah, that seemed to be a hint going ahead thing. It makes sense because at least some of them have experience of doing stuff. Exactly. And they're all on Earth now in AA meetings. Yeah, or some of them anyway. Some of them, yeah. You have some of the unlucky ones like Rose, who's in another universe. Look wherever, yeah. And Clara, who is one second from death roaming the universe still. We have to assume. Apparently, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor is the first Doctor to get all of her companions back home. Okay. All the other ones, they tend to lose people. Or some of them drop off these day in different time zones. This is the first time they've gone like, have a nice trip and get you back home. And that has happened. Unless you count what's-his-name's grandmother who dies in the first episode. Oh, yeah. You could argue she was a companion. You could. She didn't leave home, though. But she got involved. She got home very fast from a height. <laughs> <laughs> she was involved in the, the actual storytelling. Yeah. We get Donna's mum slapping the doctor, which is a Russell T. Davies thing. Yeah, slapping's back. Speaking of people who look like they've aged, she seems to be the only one who hasn't changed remotely. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else looks like they've got a decade on them, and she's just sort of like, oh, it's just the same woman, exactly the same. Catherine Tate looks about the same, I think. Yeah, about the same. I've not watched a Series 4 episode in a while, so I can't remember it very well. And we haven't seen Wilf, of course. There's none of him in the trailer. 
No Will from the trailer, though. I think they have confirmed he makes an appearance. Well, there was that set photo of him being wheeled around. Oh, yeah. David Tennant's pushing him around in a wheelchair. Yeah. Whether that was, he was just doing that while he was getting ready to be on set and he'll walk around in the actual scenes he's in or... Maybe he's just in a wheelchair now. Maybe he is. We also got another character played by Ruth Madley in the beginning of this trailer. I know she's a wheelchair-bound actress. Apparently she's going to be a, not a sort of unit thing, but apparently going ahead, there's going to be a few Earth-based characters. They'll be dotted in and out, which again is another Rusty Davis sort of thing. Yeah, so whenever they return to present-day Earth, there'll be a gaggle of people that are always around when that yeah. happens. Oh, we're going back to this again. We're going back to present-day Earth every couple of weeks. We'll go back to present-day Earth every couple of weeks. And the finale will be present-day Earth under massive threat. Probably Daleks, probably. Yeah. It's weird that we don't get any Daleks, actually. They'll be there. They'll I'm be there. positive. There'll be some toy ones. That'd be quite nice. <laughs> A toy Dalek, yeah. Profiting on that BBC released loads of toy Daleks. Little tiny flying drone Daleks. Wind-up ones or drones, yeah. With tiny little voice, little adorable one. It seems that in the trailer certainly that the toy maker is annoyed that the doctor has forgotten him he is a bit annoyed he looked annoyed yeah quite interesting that you have these former enemies of the doctor they might carry this bitterness for centuries the idea that they've been foiled by the doctor and the doctor gets up to so much stuff that they just forget that they've dealt with these people before although the, the doctor never seems to forget anything whenever it's brought up it's oh yeah it's the macro whatever i remember when i encountered them that was once a long time ago it might be based on how bored the doctor is because remember there's a peter capaldi story which features the clockwork robots again from david Tennant here and it's like nah don't remember this at all that was the first yeah deep breath the clockwork man it's like it's not ringing any bells it's like you sure <laughs> this is like two faces ago it's like nah I would have remembered. You also thought they were the coolest things ever when you encountered them. It was super impressive at the time, and I was like, nah. But I guess he was generation hungover, so he was a bit wobbly. Yeah, but I do quite like the idea of the toy maker being obsessed with the Doctor and the Doctor kind of forgetting. I don't know, it was a Tuesday afternoon for me. I'm not thinking about it. I haven't thought about it since. Maybe there's some real-world comment there. Where people always want the classic villains back, and they're having to really go for the niche ones now. So it's like, okay, who's niche? We've got this bunny rabbit from a comic and this one-off character in an episode no longer exists. Yeah. We're bringing these guys back. Do you remember them? And it's like, no, no, I don't remember these. <laughs> well, I think that's probably why they felt fine with revealing who he was on Twitter. It would be a, a Khan situation. And the toy maker's like, all right. Don't know what that means, okay. The thing is, most people that were in the node predicted it already anyway. People who don't know who that character is are like, oh, it's a new character, it doesn't matter. Yeah, people that don't know who the toy maker is, it's not a shock reveal that means anything. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's this guy. So it's probably the best way. To, instead of going with, a, was it, Blake Harrison? John Harrison. John Harrison. Talk about it all the time, but the my name is Khan seed in, into darkness. Half the audience is like, who? And the other half is like, oh, God. No. At least nobody in the audience will be thinking, oh God, not the toy maker. The only people that remember it, they'll have seen it once, like 57 years ago. There'll be some people who've read all the books who are like, oh my God, this guy. Yeah. Fortunately, Big Finish did a sale and there was a toy maker story on for a pound. And it's set in Blackpool, so I'm giving that a listen. I'm guessing he has appeared a lot since that story, but only once in actual canon. But only once in TV. And then I think in the 90s, so the 8th Doctor probably would have gone up against him for a bit, but that's not going to be counted in this one unless they allude to it although it sounds like from the trailer that this is someone i don't even remember it was so long ago yeah it's been a long time coming it's been a big rematch it's the longest gap between returning 
villains, isn't it? It must be, yeah. It's been ages. I'm sure I saw a list somewhere. It was 57 years for the Toymaker and then The Great Intelligence was 48 years or something like that between appearances. I have to go back to all these lost old ones because they've used them all up now. Or you could come up with some new villains. I'll come up with a new one. Imagine that. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of comment on people love seeing returning stuff. So it's like, well, okay, I'm going to give you two weird ones. Instead of making a new monster, I'm going to give the loud quarters of the internet what they want. And here's incredibly niche characters for you to point out. I can imagine a conversation between the toy maker and the doctor when he reveals that the regeneration into David Tennant again was his doing. And it's, everyone loves a classic, that kind of thing. Yeah, this could be a real thing that may happen. Maybe this character also is just like, I just really liked the Tenth Doctor and Donna, so I'm putting you back together. I'm better that you defeated me centuries ago, but I'm going to turn you into the face that wasn't the face that I dealt with. <laughs> I've been sat in my toy dimension just watching, and I really liked that series. <laughs> I'm going to fix up your friend's mind, I'm going to put you back onto your old face. If I'm going to fight you, I want to fight my favourite one. <laughs> Could be. Could be a bit weird, though. One of those things, though, is why would you antagonise the Doctor? If you have been watching for that long, you know that they always win. Yeah, I suppose the Maker's the only character they haven't won against so far. Because they're just like, let's get out of here. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all those things where someone's trying to do a frame job in action movies or whatever, and they hire the team that has never lost. This is a good way to achieve our goals, by stitching up this team that always win. Well, I suppose egotists love a challenge, and it's like, well, the Daleks have never done it, the Masters never done it, but someone has to do it, and it could be me. I feel like you could get a lot of success in defeating the Doctor by just surprising him and shooting him in the face. Instead of posturing and just talking to him, you just turn up with a gun and shoot him in the head. Job done. Who made the killing joke? Alan Moore yeah. and the art Brian something. They made a short story about just a guy. And he's like, I'm not really a criminal, but one day I'm just going to shoot Batman in the face. <laughs> All these villains set up these elaborate grand schemes. And he's like, I've been living in Gotham for a while. And my plan is, I'm just going to wait till he's beaten the Joker and the day's done and he's handed him over to the police and he's had a moment of reflection. And I'm just going to shoot him in the head. <laughs> and I'll be the guy who kills Batman. I'll do it one day. Maybe not yet. But he's like, I'm sick of living in Gotham. I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I mean, how many times has the Doctor appealed to the Daleks to just shoot him and then for some reason they don't do it? I'm like, nah. There's a bit of that again. I forgot that the time Doctor was very much like, shoot me. <laughs> and then they never do. Yeah. Or he always waits for someone else to sacrifice themselves so that he doesn't have to. Yeah. That's most of the trailer. We've got a bit more of a moody doctor. We have a toy maker. London's on fire again. London's on fire again, yeah. There's, as we say, Avengers Unit Tower. Avengers Unit Tower. Shenanigans, weird stuff. Looks pretty fun. One shot of Shooty Gatwa. Oh yeah, we got the obligatory Shooty Gatwa shot. The suggestion is that he's going to be involved in these specials more than has been revealed so far. I think that makes sense. I think Shooty Gatwa will be involved more. And I wouldn't be surprised also if his new companion shows up. Just living in London. Well, I'm assuming that she's a Londoner. Yeah, probably. Because the Doctor Who companions always are. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she'll have filmed a small segment where we meet her before she meets the Doctor kicking around on Earth. Witnesses these events and thinks, oh God. Yeah, maybe she knows Ruth Madley's character already or something. Cause they love setting up arcs. But it looks like he's also got another costume. It's hard to tell though, isn't it? It's hard to tell. It could just be the David Tennant coat and he's fresh into a new face and it's just this big blue coat on again. Plus, it, we've seen so many set photos of Shooty Gatwa and he's always wearing something different. Yeah, it's quite a fashionable doctor. It looks like he might not have a look as such. He'll just try and blend into wherever he goes. Yeah, just whatever. That'd be quite fun. Yeah. Annoying for cosplayers, but it's not the most important. Moving away from the sort of action figure idea, isn't it? Almost the cartoon character of they're always wearing the same thing. 
I suppose David Tennant started the trend of the Doctor's not always dressed exactly the same. Yeah, he kind of mixed it around a bit. He had his pinstripe suit, he had a blue suit and the tux every now and again. Yeah, it was still the same vibe. Yeah. He didn't have a lazy day, we just like t-shirt and jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt Smith, he just had two costumes, didn't he? Yeah, two, yeah. Capaldi had a couple as well. I think it's nice when they mix it around a bit. Jodie Whittaker always wore the same thing. It's the same one, yeah. Apart from the Spyfall episode. Oh yeah, they all have a tux. They have a tuxedo at one point, I think. Yeah, they all have to dress formally at least once. I can't remember if Matt Smith did. Oh, he did, yeah. I'm trying to think if he did, but did Amy's wedding, he shows up in a tuxedo. Yeah. And a top hat. And he did in the Hitler episode as well. Oh yeah, Hitler's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> same suit. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to die and thought, I'll look fancy. Yeah. Leave behind a good looking corpse. Mm-hmm. The shooty Gatwa thing, it was a weird final shot. I mean, we all know he's coming. Yeah, it's just to end the trailer, really. This is the next one. But if your theory about the interrupted regeneration is right, it suggests that maybe he'll be trying to get through. Well, yeah, because I was guessing on previous trailers, he's saying, what the hell's going on? Is in David Tennant's gear, the grey tie in the suit. So I think, especially now we know it's a toy maker, and he can twist reality a bit. I think he's just sort of gone like, I'm doing this. I'm going to pick this face to annoy someone. I think it was supposed to be to shoot Gatwa and the body's fighting there's a new face fresh and ready to come out and start being a doctor but he has to wait for this other guy who's rudely accepted maybe we'll get the odd scene where Tennant turns into shooty Gatwa for a scene and then he reverts back mini regenerations that could be fun but yeah. I think it'd definitely be a wasted opportunity not to play around with you've got the next two doctors lined up and you can have essentially a multi-doctor with a future doctor we haven't seen yet and a bit of bickering and back and forth and stuff so i think that could be fun oh yeah you could have him just talking to himself as he yeah. cuts back and forth there was a villain that did that in buffy the villain glory in season five of buffy had a human counterpart that she was inhabiting called ben and they would have arguments with each other as the magic that bound them together was breaking down something like that and russell t davies is a big buffy fan so maybe he would do something like that yeah might as well have some fun with the future where we got hold of it yeah no release date yet no. For some reason. Probably still figuring it out. It'll be on a poster. <laughs> it'll probably be. This is on next week. Yeah. No, I don't think there'll be that. I think the assumption is it'll be over three. So, you know, it's November, definitely. I'm assuming it'll just be three weeks in November, like three Saturdays or three Sundays. But it'll be Saturdays. I'm not sure when the 23rd is. Or would that be the actual 60th anniversary? Because the actual 60th would be the 23rd. The 23rd is a Thursday. Oh, yes, they're not going to do a Thursday. They could do one of those day-to-day-to-day ones, like Children of Earth, and do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday finale. I don't think they'll do that. It looks like it's more fun to three parts, do week, week, week. Yeah. My guess would be it would be earlier in November, because if you end it on the 8th of December, then you've only got a couple of weeks till Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to guess the finale will be 23rd's a Thursday, so 25th with a finale episode and then the other one. Each week before. So we're guessing 11th, 18th, 25th. Ooh, I hope to have one of those as my birthday. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go out for drinks on your birthday? No, I'm going to watch Doctor Who. Let's just go to those TVs and we can both sit and watch Doctor Who in mute. <laughs> just a new episode while we're listening to football commentation. This is a bad idea. We should have gone out a different day. <laughs> <laughs> Some interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned about Russell T Davies being back in a way because, like I say, his writing got a bit silly especially when the stakes are really high. I've not seen this for ages, but yeah, I'm hoping he's a bit different to what he used to be. But then again, we've seen a lot of stuff for the next series coming up that looks fun and weird. Yeah. That's a positive sign. This certainly looks like big blockbuster Russell T Davies. Yeah, but 
Also, it is a big special. You're getting David Tennant back and you're getting all this back. I think they're doing a big one, but it could be quite nice if the next series is a bit... I mean, it's still for families and kids and everybody running around, so you can't go like, too introspective and quiet, but they can have a little chill-out series. They've just had the flux, and then the power of the Doctor's been big, and then this has been big, so a little gentle rest. Because now we know it's a toy maker and... I guess beat the me. We've not had a new villain since the episode Praxeus. Okay. Do you remember that one? No. That was the one people turned into plastic and blew up. It was Jodie Whittaker and her first team. So series 12, there was some travellers in Lanzarote or somewhere, or Brazil, and all the skin turned to plastic and exploded. And it was some scientist or something. But it's been that long since we've had an episode which didn't have a returning monster in it. <laughs> Every episode since has had at least one returning monster in it. So... Some new monsters have been nice after three years of just returning monsters. I think I'm looking more forward to the Shooty Gatwa series than I am these specials, actually, because I'm keen to see something new, hopefully. Yeah, I'm the same, but I'll take a big fun special as well, but it's not the most exciting of the future possibility. I mean, my issue is that Catherine Tate irritates me, and I didn't like Journey's End, so I don't really need a sequel to it. Yeah, I know it's a very popular series online, but it's not one I've ever come back to, I don't think. I think some of it's okay, but the finale was just atrocious. Yeah, I don't remember it being very good. It was all the teasing, like where Dalek Khan says one will still die, and then no one dies. It's a metaphorical death. Oh yeah, it was that one. It was maybe too much going on, because I think it just got everyone back to tears. Yeah. Like, Here's everyone. I remember it being a bit all over the shop. It definitely was. And the memory erasure thing was bizarre. Let's undo character development completely. I don't know if they'll find a way to keep her memories or if she has to die. I don't think she'll die. Russell T Davies doesn't kill anybody, does he? Not companions anyway. I think it'd be weird if she did die. Just because it'd be kind of mean. <laughs> Leave behind her family and daughter. I'm going to guess that in this time it'll be the reverse. Because the last time the Doctor had to remove her memories against her wishes. And I think this time she'll know and be like, okay, it's my decision to remove my memory or something. Maybe. It'll be sort of like a flip. Okay, so put me back so I can stay with my family and everyone will be safe. But I can't go back to this life. I've got a daughter and everything and I need to look after her. So if you don't mind taking my memories off, well, even a half and half, maybe she can remember a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Did you see the interview that Stephen Moffat did where he hinted that he'd written an episode of the next series? Oh, yeah, that was the Newsnight one where he's like, ah, maybe I'll just go to Cardiff because it's nice or whatever. <laughs> I think he just likes doing stuff like that, just being a cheeky old man, which is fair. I think it's likely that he's written at least one episode. Of the next series or two. It could be, yeah. We are stuck in a creative time loop with Doctor Who, aren't we? We're back to Davies yeah. and then Moffat will do it again. And then you get a bit like, oh, I don't have ideas. Then six years go by and it's like, oh, that's an idea. Or I'm going to come back and undo everything the previous guy did. I suppose it must be also fun when you can go back to doing a fun one. Because it's a show where you have a million other responsibilities to do. You don't have to be like, oh, but can we budget this? This is very similar to episode five or whatever. Whereas if you just go back as a one-off, it's like, yeah, I can do whatever. It's someone else's problem to like, do the location shoots, and re-edits and all that stuff I got tired of doing when I was in charge. Remember to add the buzzword to your script. And Stephen Moffat was good for doing the fun, weird ones. He was the best at the weird ones. His one-shot stories tended to be the best of the season most of the time. I wouldn't be against having him back for a, a spooky episode. But yeah, I guess we'll see. If they're filming the second series soon, it could be like 2025 always. Yeah, well, we've got a fair whack of Doctor Who turning up over the next year or so. That's a full steam ahead, so we'll see. We will. I'm guessing Angus's legs will get quite sore, kneeling down behind that city. Just crouching behind yeah have you anything else to say on this trailer no not really it looks pretty fun it's not too far away like two months or so so i'm all in should be fun 
And you can stay tuned for our episode covering the 50th anniversary special coming out sometime close to the release of the 60th anniversary special. <laughs> it's the same as advertising release date for this. It'll be November. It's something in November. <laughs> or late October, depending when these things... Or late October. Or December if we forget. We'll see. <laughs> or later if I don't get around to editing, which is always a concern. After my next holiday, I'll get right on it. <laughs> so... If there's nothing else, you can hop back in your TARDIS and back up into the vortex. You can reappear when there's something else to talk about. When the Marvels is out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's November as well. November's going to be a busy month. Just barreling through time and space to talk about stuff. Yeah. Well, enjoy your trip through the vortex. Will do. Bye. <laughs> Isaac's away, you're safe now, you can come back. I am actually popping up from behind the sofa. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, he didn't bring any Daleks with him, he just brought knowledge, which is far more valuable. Oh, thank you Isaac, thank you for the knowledge. (laughs) Much appreciated. Perhaps his last drop-in on a news podcast before we actually see this Doctor Who thing. Oh, has he been popping in for a while? Oh yes, or months, whenever there's tidbits of info released he pops up to tell us all about them. He is travelling through time and space to keep people informed. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Indeed. Okay, let's move on to our small list of news items. Let's start with one of the pillars, the only pillar we really have, the Marvel pillar. And this one's more of a rumour than anything else. Sean Levy, the director of Deadpool 3, has said that Deadpool 3 is going to be honouring the iconic Fox-era characters. We already know that Wolverine is in it and in costume. I don't know if you've seen that picture. I haven't. Okay, well, there's a picture out there of him wearing his yellow suit. Mm. And the suggestion is there might be other Fox Marvel characters, like perhaps Magneto and whoever else. My prediction has long been that this film's going to be about Deadpool saying goodbye to the Fox universe while he moves over to the, the MCU. I think that they are a bit refreshing. Yes, they're still in that kind of superhero vein that I've had the fatigue with for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the breaking the fourth wall, the meta stuff brings a bit of a different spin to it. So yeah, I'd be interested to see what they're going to do. You excited to see Hugh Jackman and in costume once again? Yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> the costume looks pretty bad, actually. I don't like the look of it, but maybe that's a joke. Maybe the joke is that it's supposed to look kind of lame. Yeah, maybe. And I think that they're not beyond sending them up. Yeah, not much more than that, really. We're honouring the Fox universe, which I think is fair. That was about two decades of movies, actually. I don't think it's unreasonable to celebrate that in some way. Yeah, that is a long time. Rather than ending it with... New Mutants, as it ended. I'm looking forward to it. Deadpool. It's always fun. Hugh Jackman's always great as Wolverine. I don't know if we needed to see him again, but I can't deny that I'll be interested to see him again anyway. Is it a sort of Michael Keaton as Batman, just going to keep reeling you back in? Yeah, he's never ever getting to leave. We're never going to get a new Wolverine. They're just going to keep finding excuses to multiverse the old one. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, moving on. Mark Webb. Funnily enough, directed Spider-Man movies, charting a course for the Bermuda Triangle. The filmmakers attached to direct Bermuda for Skydance. Skydance have been developing Bermuda for some time with Sam Raimi. <laughs> they seem to be going after Spider-Man directors to do this film. And Scott Derrickson at some point after exiting the Doctor Strange sequel. Chris Evans was also attached to Star. It has no actors attached or script with a writer to be hired after the strike concludes. 
The feature takes inspiration on the section of the Caribbean where planes and ships are said to have vanished, never to be seen again. So a film about the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know if we've ever really had that, have we? Oh, there must be an older one, but not that I can think of. Not recently. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting urban myth or nautical myth, I suppose. Yeah, I'm willing to hear more about that. It's something that's a bit different to what we usually deal with. So Yeah. yeah. Our next thing is a Murder, She Wrote movie is in the works at Universal Pictures with Dumb Money writers Lauren Shuker bloom and Rebecca Angelo and producer Amy Pascal attached. The original Murder, She Wrote starred Angela Lansbury as mystery writer and amateur detective Jessica Fletcher, who solves slash definitely does the murders that occur in the fictional town of Cabot Cove, Maine. The crime drama series ran for, on CBS for 12 seasons. Jeez. <laughs> 1984 to 1996 she scored an emmy nomination for every season but never won the so do you think we need a cinematic reboot of this not really but i mean angela lansbury only died about a year ago and i imagine that there'll be a sort of loving tribute to her <laughs> they wouldn't dredge her up to be in it oh god maybe but maybe they were just waiting for her <laughs> rights to pass over to them so that they could now kick this off i feel like the only exciting thing they could do with it is confirm that she is the murderer that then solves her own murders yeah because that was always the long-held fan theory wasn't it if you say so i don't know I'm not all that familiar with it i'm afraid <laughs> how long is it until we get a reboot of diagnosis murder <laughs> uh, then natalie will be interested <laughs> that was her daytime tv of choice is dick van dyke still alive could he appear is he? I feel bad now that I don't know. I think he says he was in Mary Poppins not that long ago. It seems like he lives. He's 97 years old. Wow, jeez. Expecting him a cameo might be a tough ask. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're not even doing it, so I don't know why we're <laughs> speculating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've got de-aging and all that kind of stuff now. His son must still be alive. They could get him in. Yeah. Diagnosis murder was him and his son, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yes. But anyway... Murder, She Wrote. I guess I've seen some of Biosmosis, but never really seriously watched. Right, yeah. You're aware of it. I'm the same. Another reboot that we're potentially getting is a reboot of The Office, reportedly being the works. Greg Daniels, who ran the last one, will possibly be doing this one. It's supposed to be formally announced when the Writers Guild of America strike officially ends. I'm not actually as against this as I thought I was going to be, because it could just be another office with different characters. When you first had this listed, I thought, why does this need to happen? I was firmly in the camp of the British office, or the office, is the superior offering. The American office eventually does a completely different thing. It starts off trying to be the same, but then realises, no, we've got to do something different. And probably succeeds at doing that. But we've had enough of it, and it was there, and it's been there for a long time. But then, the thing that was good about it is that kind of workplace relatable comedy that maybe they could do now an updated version of because offices have changed and you watch the office now you think wow did we really used to work like that in the uk office i sit there and think god this is too real it's too depressing <laughs> i know all of these people it's true but i think that it's still things have moved on and it is funny to look back and at one time that was so relatable and now it's maybe not quite as relatable so there's probably room for well how much mileage can you get out of the you're on mute joke when people are on zoom <laughs> calls it'd be the working from home when i work from home i work for three hours and then i watch tv or whatever that'll be the joke that's in the first episode that's kind of making me think what they're going to be going for it's just <laughs> this hybrid it's the office but it's not really the office it's the home office I mean, effectively, Parks and Rec is the office again, isn't it? Yes, that's true. Well, that was supposed to be sort of a, not really a spin-off, but a... a spiritual spin-off. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm not as against this as I initially thought I was going to be because, like I say, you can always do, here's what a modern workplace is like. Yeah. As long as it's not Jim and Pam and all them again. New characters, not a paper company, or it could be a paper company, who cares? I don't know. What company could they do? Sell insurance or something? I don't know. That would be too real. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm not initially against this. Maybe I will be when I learn more. There's still time. The next thing is we're getting another video game adaptation. Annapurna's interactive award-winning video game Stray will be getting its very own movie adaptation from the indie studio's animation branch. It's a 22 adventure game from Blue Twelve Studios. Takes player on a journey playing as a drone-equipped stray cat trying to survive against robots and machines. I've got this game, but I've never played it, but apparently it's really good. Yeah, because it's quite recent, it's too new and has been too expensive for me. I got it when it was on sale for like £10 or something. Yeah, see, that's kind of approaching the price that I'd be willing to pay. It's a good £10 game, I'm guessing, but I've never played it. I just bought it. Right. Again, I could have saved myself £10 by just not buying it for that price. (laughs) Will I ever learn? No. (laughs) That's my prediction. No. Probably not. This is cheap. I'll have that. And then never play it. (laughs) <laughs> that's how i got into dark souls 3 it was 8.99 or something and i thought i've heard a lot about this <laughs> how hard can it be tried it oh it's really hard i got killed by the first bad guy yeah but 8.99 was enough of a draw and i was like oh, i've got to get my money's worth out of this <laughs> so there's no reason this wouldn't be good i think the idea of doing it from the point of view of a cat running around yeah quite fun could be good it'd probably have to be kind of a silent movie though unless they make the cat talk i wonder do the robots talk so the cat wouldn't talk but you're just kind of getting their point of view or you'll have a sassy human sidekick. <sighs> Maybe I'm out. <laughs> I've just ruined it already. <laughs> we don't believe that audiences will put up with a silent movie effectively, so sassy human sidekick. Yeah, like a kind of reverse poochie. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but they're making this, it should be good. I should play the game because I have it. Yeah, play the game. One day. Maybe next time I'll say that I've played it. Probably not. And we're on our last item. This has got to be the shortest chat we've ever had on the monthly news podcast. And it's related to Star Wars. I really wanted to find a variation of the quote Lando TV show. Lando's not a TV show, it's a movie. (laughs) I couldn't quite get there organically, so I gave you my much less organic version of it. But after announcing that Donald and Stephen Glover, who's Donald Glover's brother, had been tapped to write a Lando television show, they've now decided less than a month later that they're going to do a Lando movie instead. Mm, What have we here? (laughs) I wonder if this will be... A better idea than sitting through a six-episode slog of a TV series, as tends to be the case with Star Wars TV shows at the moment? I think yes. Immediately, knowing just this, it appeals to me so much more. (laughs) So you mean I can sit for an hour and a half to two hours and then I'm done? Fantastic. (laughs) Exactly. I have some hope that Donald Glover will at least be involved in the writing, because he's funny. Hmm. Yeah. There's the risk of also turning Lando into just a ridiculous character, which I don't think he is. Yeah. I wonder how much Star Wars and Disney have kind of been burnt by that and the whole Lord and Miller solo affair. I always wonder what it was about that and their approach that made them part ways and go with some safe pair of hands in Ron Howard instead. I think that the Glovers are good. I've talked up Atlanta on this show before that they've been involved in writing and starring in. That can be serious, it can be thought-provoking, it can be weird. There's lots of interesting ideas in that show, so hopefully they could go down one of those routes. Tune in next month when we'll talk about the fact that they've decided that Ron Howard will write and direct a film instead. (laughs) And I'm back out. (laughs) Could happen. It really could happen. Yeah. I don't believe in Disney doing anything until it's actually in progress and even then maybe it's going to get binned all the way through it like with solo where they'd started on it and then they tapped out sort of halfway through in order to replace lord and miller with someone far more mediocre it has to be said yeah i'm not enamored with star wars tv as i talked about earlier with ahsoka i didn't like the mandalorian i didn't like book of boba fett i did like andor though but i recently learned that andor's quality is actually an accident because what happened was tony gilroy who pitched the show that we currently have was declined and then they chose another showrunner who 
you have to assume had a more safe and bland idea. Mm-hmm. And then they moved up the production schedule and the other showrunner couldn't meet it. So they had to go back to Tony Gilroy's pitch of the show and then they made that. So the fact that Andor is as good as it is, is a total accident. We almost had Blandor. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we won't get Blando. <laughs> Of course, Devil's Advocate suggests that the other version of Andor might have been even better. But I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We could lust after something we didn't get. <laughs> so hopefully they'll stick to their guns on this. There's no reason not to. And Donald Glover's Lando is something I actually do want to see again because he was the best thing about Solo. Go on, Disney. Do it. Yeah, do come it. on. Take a risk. Make a movie. But it's not encouraging that it was a TV show a month ago and now it's a film. Yeah, that's not great. But watch this space. It'll be a series of shorts soon. It's just going to be Lando short films yeah do you think we'll have everything we know about lando crammed into two hours well he's already lost the millennium falcon we already saw Mm -hmm. that so get into cloud city i guess yes i would say so i'd say anything that hasn't already been touched upon a cupboard full of capes beyond that yes this will explain absolutely everything about them how he got to cloud city because that's all anybody cares about really Mm -hmm. except me i don't care i don't care how he got there (laughs) he just did so that was us we've discussed everything on our list we rapidly moved through all that, and it seems that you have some things on a list that you might actually sit and watch in the coming days. Yeah, I've highlighted several of the items, which is quite nice. I don't always come into this expecting to be negative, and I feel like I do shoot down quite a lot of the things that we talk about, but I feel good this time. I feel uplifted. Energised. Energised, yeah. Same here. There's a bunch of stuff that I do want to watch that's on this list and some stuff that I maybe don't. And I'm enjoying some TV shows this month, which is a nice change. It's a real turnaround for all of us. It really is. I feel like we're climbing out of the darkness. <laughs> so that was our chat about September 2023's news and trailers. I would like to thank the Orchestra Cinematique and Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, please do hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, really. Usually on those platforms, there's a rating and review system of some sort, normally with a star rating system. So Angus, how many stars should the listeners give us the number is five it's five and indeed a comment as well yeah we love your comments if you want to chat to us about anything we discussed here or anything really you can hit us up on facebook or twitter slash x under neil before blog we're also on blue sky if you've managed to get an invite to that we're on there you can hit us on there or you can join us on discord we have a few listeners on there at the moment and there's conversations happening so you can join the conversation on discord as well and as always we hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod. Thank you.